Hello, hello everybody. Oof, that's coming in just a little bit hot again. I might have to go and change that here because we've always got to do just a little bit of a, just a little bit of on-air production here whenever we do an ad talk. I don't know why it is that it happens that way, but it does. But while I'm getting there and getting my microphone turned down that just continually keeps creeping itself up, my name is Jay Edgar and this is Ed Talk. This is a special Ed Talk that was not supposed to happen this weekend because well, I think everybody knows what happened over at this point. So I decided to throw something together. I've got a little bit of a monologue to tell you. And this is going to be a very special Ed Talk because this is going to be the second time that I've had a guest on doing Ed Talk. But the first time we've actually had a round table. Now, those of you who've been following my channel for a while, what you were about to see on this particular broadcast is what I actually intended Ed's world to be from the beginning. A monologue starting out and then going on to be a roundtable between some very, very good, intelligent, politically minded guests. So I'm fairly excited to see how this actually works. So I've got probably maybe 30 minutes of prepared remarks here to go and uh, tell you about what happened with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the way that I see it. We're going to do about 45 minutes or so with the people who I've invited to come on and join me. And, uh, tell me what they think about what's going on here. And we're gonna do a half an hour of Q&A with listener questions at the end here. And I do have, I've got the live chat up here. I will be catching up with uh, some of your live chat as we go along, just so we don't get a massive backlog while we're up here. But I am looking forward to letting you guys get some time and uh, take some time and ask questions to the hosts and hostesses that are going to be joining me up with this. I think it might be time to go and ditch the uh, intro music. David Wise, David Wise, come back, come back and make another, make another insane video game uh, soundtrack. I am, of course, drawing from Donkey Kong Country, the original, in one of the few songs I can find on YouTube that doesn't get copyright slapped. So, good to join there, here. I will be joined later on in the, in the Ed Talk by... Britt from the Freckles and Brit Show, who is already waiting in the Zoom waiting room to come on. I will also be joined by Silentcaster, who you'll remember as my previous co-host, my guest co-host from last week. So give him some respect and uh, some love and attention as well. And Harvey McLeod will be joining us. This was actually kind of Harvey's idea for us to do this roundtable for this. And I also talked Seawall728, my friend, whose identity shall never be known, up onto the screen as well. So... We'll be seeing them in about 26 minutes here, but we need to talk. Well, let's sell the wares first. We are streaming live right now to YouTube, DLive, Twitch, Periscope, and Facebook. And if you're over on Facebook, hit one of the links up above you in the chat here so you can get to the YouTube, the DLive, or the Twitch so we can read your chat because we want to talk to you. If you're going to be here, if we're going to be here, and you're going to watch the show, we want to talk to you, we want to read your live chat, and we want to answer your questions. This is going to be a big one in the news, so we definitely want to take the time and see what it is that you're saying. So go ahead and hit one of those links above you as well. We are also streaming, and this will be put back into audio format and sent out to the audio platforms. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, and 
If you're over on iTunes, leave us that five-star rating and a good review. That helps us move up the charts. It helps us overcome the algorithms, and it helps us grow the show. Lastly, catch us over on the Freedom Scoop Media Group, where Brit from the Freckles and Brit Show broadcasts with the Freckles and Brit Show. You can also catch great shows like The Generational Gap, like The Already Conservative, like The Daily Ignoramus, and like The Breakdown with Birkenhoff. We love to see you over there. Pick up some of our swag and help us support great creators. All right, we are going to get into it. I've got Saint in the chat over here giving his usual greeting of good evening, bitches. I've got Wyatt from The Breakdown with Birkenhoff in there as well. Check him out. Commenting on my fancy dress. Yeah, I found the tie and I figured, I mean, if we're going to be Irish funeral, then I might as well throw on the, uh, the black top. Don't be fooled, though. I am wearing jeans below the camera, but you guys can't see that there. Uh, I've got watching trains go by here. You're too well-dressed. Did YouTube give you some so that MSM's money and buy you off? I was there before he sold out. Thank you, watching trains go by, for that one. All right, let's get into the topic at hand here. So, as most of you know by this point, politics and the election as we know it, the calm political election that we've been seeing for the past couple months changed just a little bit over 22 hours ago when we got the announcement that Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has passed away. And the very first thing that I have to say about that is, to borrow a line from a great man who has long hair and wears aviators online, fuck you, I was right. Because I knew right away from the beginning of this, right away from the first time, from the first point that I saw this, that this was what was going to happen. I called it, I said this was going to be October Surprise. When Kavanaugh was going through the process, I was already starting to wonder if this was going to become the October Surprise in 2020. And that was two years ago. But the writing was on the wall, and everything that was going along with this was obvious. Just like, just like with Merrick Garland and Scalia, and I'll be talking a bit about that in my monologue, and I've got some questions for my roundtable as well on that as well. Just like with Merrick Garland and Antonin Scalia and his vacancy going on into Neil Gorsuch, we're seeing a position right now where this is going to become the big election issue. And I actually almost think that Anthony Kennedy retiring was also supposed to be the big election issue but he retired too early and there was no way for them to hold it out until November of 2018. Because remember, that was one of the big issues that was going into the 2018 midterm election was what is the Senate going to make uh, makeup going to be and is Donald Trump either going to appoint somebody or wait until after the election? And we saw, of course, that he did appoint somebody. So I want to talk just a little bit about Ginsburg to start off the show here, let's see what we have here. I'm going to just read from Wikipedia. What the fuck else not? I mean, it's what everybody else uses for term papers anyway. So, hey, why not? It's good enough for term papers. It's good enough for me. So, I just want to take a bit from the top here. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born on August 10th of 1993, which means she just turned 87 years old. Uh, she was... Let me see what she's got for her career. Uh, she... Uh, of course, had difficulty finding employment in the 60s. Uh, she was rejected in 1960 for a clerkship with Supreme Court Justice Felix Frankfurter. Uh, she was dis uh, rejected despite a strong recommendation from Albert Martin, uh, Martin Sachs. Uh, he was later a dean of Harvard Law School. 
she was a research associate and then an associate director of the Columbia Law School Project on International Procedure. She learned Swedish to co-author a book with Anders Bruselius on civil procedure in Sweden. Uh, let's see, she her first position in law was as a professor at Rutgers Law University in 1963. Uh, was not without drawbacks. Ginfer, uh, Ginsburg was informed that she would be paid less than her male colleagues because she, uh, she had a husband with a well-paid job. At the time, Ginsburg entered academia. She was one of fewer than 20 female law professors in the United States. She was a professor of law, mainly uh, civil procedure, at Rutgers from 1963 to 1972 receiving tenure from the school in 1969. Uh, she co-founded the Women's Rights Reporter in 1970, a law journal to focus exclusively on women's rights from 1982 to, or 1972 rather to 1980. She taught at Columbia Law School, where she became the first tenured woman and co-authored the first law school casebook on sex discrimination. She also spent a year as a fellow of the Center for Advanced Study in the Behavioral Sciences at Stanford University from 1977 to 1978. Um, so, I mean, they're not even trying at this point to say that she wasn't an advocate. This woman was an activist right from the beginning. And I mean, I can respect some of the leaps and bounds that she made without agreeing with her positions because her positions were absolutely God awful for the freedoms of liberties that you will face and that will face your life down as you go through life. She was God awful for that. She was awful on the second amendment. She was awful on just so many things, and she was another big government justice. She was one of the reasons that we were able to legislate from the bench. But she also made leaps and bounds in history, being she, uh, founding first female magazines. It's a balancing act with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It really is. I can hate the career and still respect the woman that she was, what she was able to do in a time when it was not hard to do so. And, I mean, look at, you look at some of the history that she has here. One of the things that it says right out, she was informed right from the top she was going to be paid less than her male colleagues because she had a husband with a well-paid job. Probably one of the starts to the uh, gender wage gap myth that we have right now. Now, of course, that wasn't a myth at the time. That definitely wasn't a myth at the time. In the 60s? Oh, God, yes, there was a gender wage gap in the 60s. Now, we've got several government laws to eliminate that. And there are other factors that affect the gender wage gap, including hours worked, time taken away, and negotiating tactics. But, yes, right off the top, she didn't even have a chance to negotiate. She was just told that she was going to be making less. So there's definitely a give and a take to go along with Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her career. Um, going a little bit further along her career, she was nominated by President Jimmy Carter in April 14th of 1980 to a seat on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit Court, vacated by Judge Harold Leventhal after his death. She was confirmed by the United States Senate on June 18th of 1980 and received her commission later that day. Her circuit or service rather terminated on August 9th, 1993, due to her elevation to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's one thing that, I mean, we're seeing this now. We saw this with Kavanaugh, and we're seeing this now with uh, Ginsburg's vacancy as well. We are looking directly at the fact that, I mean, this, this whole thing of wait until the end of the election year is a fairly new thing. And there are some stories that go along with that, but this whole thing is a fairly new thing because 
Jimmy Carter appointed her on 1980. I'm sure that there were Reaganites at the time, probably that didn't have as much of a voice, but I'm sure that there were Reaganites at the time that said, well, Carter should wait until after the election to see if Reagan wins because it should be Reagan that's filling this, uh, this vacancy. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be Jimmy Carter. It should be Ronald Reagan to do this. I don't know. Actually, it might not be true because um, when she was nominated and confirmed, well, when she was confirmed, I'm sure that we were full well into primary season and just about done with it. But when she was nominated, I don't think we were done with primary season at the time. It was 1980. That was four years before I was born. So I would have to look further into what the political climate looked like at the time. But I can bet that they weren't screaming about that over on the news, and the ones that were were probably written off as fringe lunatics at the time. Um, she was appointed to the Supreme Court by William Jefferson Clinton. Uh, uh, President Bill Clinton nominated Ginsburg as an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court on June 14th of 1993 to fill the seat vacated by retiring Justice Byron White. Which, by the way, I found out just from reading Twitter here, and then I followed up with this, that uh, Byron White passed away to bring in Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And he, I guess before he was on the Supreme Court, was an NFL Hall of Famer, too. I didn't realize that as well. That's, a, that's an interesting side note off of this. But, yep, she uh, overtook him, and she sat on the court from there, from 1993 on until yesterday. Uh, during her, let's see, she was recommended to Clinton by then-U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno after a suggestion by Utah Republican Senator Orrin Hatch at the time of her nomination. Ginsburg was viewed as a moderate. Clinton was reportedly looking to increase the court's diversity, which Ginsburg did as the only Jewish justice since the 1969 re uh, resignation of Justice Abe Fortas. She was the second female and the first Jewish female justice on the Supreme Court. She eventually became the longest-serving Jewish justice. The American Bar Association Standing Committee on the Federal Judiciary rated Ginsburg as well-qualified, its highest possible rating for a prospective justice. During her testimony before the U.S. Senate Committee, the Judiciary, as part of the confirmation hearings, Ginsburg refused to answer questions about her view on the constitutionality of some issues, such as the death penalty, as it was an issue she might have to vote on if it came before the court. So, definitely some things. And she was, uh, she was confirmed by a pretty wide margin, a margin that in this political climate we are never, ever, well, never say never, but... I think it would be very, very hard to see a margin like this anymore at this point. She was confirmed by a 96-3 vote on August 3rd of 1993, so all, almost unanimous for Ginsburg to get up onto the court. I don't know where they got the fact that she was a moderate from, but somebody also tried to tell me that Merrick Garland was a moderate, and in fact, I'm actually going to read a little bit from his uh, Wikipedia article in just a couple minutes as well, because... I was informed that Merrick Garland was the moderate of moderates, and that says that right in his article. Before they go on to show everything that he was a major activist against. But that is the career of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, there is a lot of misinformation that's going on around political Twitter right now, and suddenly everybody's become a constitutional law professor. Uh, people are angry, people are screaming, people are screeching over the fact that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did die before 
they could vote out Trump. And I knew it was going to happen. And I know why it happened. Uh, there's some tinfoil out there, and I actually maybe even tend to believe this because the timing of this was just too convenient and too perfect for me to not think that this was somehow pre-planned. There's some tinfoil out there that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away months ago, possibly even shortly after the Kavanaugh hearings, and they needed to keep her alive until after the election to see if they could get somebody else in there to appoint a new justice instead of Trump. Now, some of this goes on, and some of this I knew was, and this is actually part of the reason that I learned about the filibuster rule change and when that changed and how it changed. So I know the fact, and everybody comes out and uh, cites the fact that, yes, well, Ginsburg, I'm sorry, not Ginsburg. Everybody comes out and says that uh, McConnell blocked Merrick Garland from being set up onto the court. And a lot of people on the right say that Merrick, or, uh, McConnell did that because Harry Reid, in the Senate pre or two Senates previous, did the same thing for Obama. I'm sorry, four Senates previous, because that would have been uh, eight years ago. Did the same thing for Obama to Bush during the last part of his, uh, during his administration. And there's some other, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation that goes along about this as well. A lot of people right now believe that their abortions are going to be in danger because Ruth Bader Ginsburg is no longer on the court to protect them. And that's been one of the things, I mean, you see people offering to donate organs to Ruth Bader Ginsburg to try and keep her alive. There is a lot of political misinformation that goes along with this. There's there are just a lot of weird things that are being talked about with Justice Ginsburg. But the main political anger that comes out of this, of course, is the fact that there is the possibility that Trump is going to be able to appoint a third Supreme Court justice. Thus, shaping and changing the way that the court operates and the makeup of the court for generations because we knew Ginsburg wasn't going to live forever. And Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are relatively young compared to everybody else. They've got a good 20 to 25 years left on the court, which means that they're going to shape a lot of decisions that are going to come before the court um, as we figure this out. Looks like we've got Silent Caster up in the chat here saying hello to everybody. Silent Caster will be joining us here in approximately 10 minutes. And some of this stuff, because I went a little bit long-winded, is going to have to wait until after we get all of the guests up on here. So look for that. I'm uh, fairly excited to start welcoming some people up to here. Some of the anger is misplaced. And a lot of, I mean, if you look at right-wing Twitter right now too, a lot of people are looking back and saying, hey, you remember the everything that you put uh, Kavanaugh through? You remember everything that you said about Kavanaugh? You remember everything that you made him go through? Well, we remember that, and now Trump, is he's just going to take it all. He's going to jump through. From every report that I've seen at this point, uh, Trump was actually fairly amiable towards Ginsburg when he found out about it. He said that she was a great woman, that she had a distinguished career, which she did. I mean, like I said, whether or not you agree with anything that she had to say, whether you agree with any of her decisions, 
She had a wonderful career as a Supreme Court Justice. She had an incredible career as a Supreme Court Justice. But the anger is out there. People and people are making up all kinds of wild stories. I'm sure that we've got the red... People are getting the red robes up out of the closet so they can play Handmaid's Tale once again. And they can cosplay for that because... Well, no matter what they do, no matter what Trump does at this point, he's going to destroy abortion rights because he wants to... He just wants to... He's GOP. He wants to destroy abortion rights. Abortion is going to be over. Go get your abortion now. Abortion, abortion, abortion. Abortion, abortion. Meanwhile, that's completely not the case of anything. That is not the case for anything that we're seeing going on here. But that is going to be the line that they feed down your throat through all this. I am going to talk about this with my panelists as they come on. The big one that I have here that I want to get to before I start welcoming the panelists on is something that was actually pointed out by Anthony Quiggins over on Twitter. And I wanted to touch on this really briefly before we got into it, and that is the Scalia situation versus Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, Merrick Garland, as most people know, was the nominee that Obama picked in 2016 right before the election. Now, Harry Reid said during the last Senate before Bush was out that he wasn't going to confirm any Bush justices, no matter what happened, before the end of the term. That was two years of federal court vacancies that Harry Reid refused to administer to. Bush did not get another Supreme Court pick, but Harry Reid also said that he wasn't going to bring a vote to any Supreme Court pick if Bush were to get one before the end of his term. Now, with that being said, towards the end of Obama's second term, with McConnell having the gavel, he pretty much said the same thing. Okay, if Harry Reid is going to do it, then I'm going to do it too. Which some of that is a little bit of tit for tat, and I don't care for that from the federal government. Not that the Supreme Court should really have a major bearing on anybody's life other than what happens with interstate commerce, but because of what we've seen and what the mainstream media has told us all, that's really not the case anymore. And there is, I mean, it's a completely different case at this point, but part of the problem and part of the reason that people are weighing Merrick Garland versus whoever Trump appoints at this point, is because they think that this is the exact same situation and it's just going to show the hypocrisy of the GOP. Now, given the reason that uh, McConnell gave out to the mainstream media, it is kind of hypocritical that they are planning on jamming somebody through right now. It is a little bit hypocritical. I will, I will cede that point. It is a bit hypocritical. But there are light years of difference between the situation that happened between Justice Scalia, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, people are trying to say, and even the Wikipedia article for Merrick Garland right now says the same thing, that uh, Merrick Garland was the centrist of centrists. He was the absolute, he was the arbiter of center. He was the arbiter of moderates. He was the moderate's moderate. He was this wonderful moderate guy that even Orrin Hatch said, was the moderate moderates. Now, keep in mind that Orrin Hatch also said that Ginsburg was this major moderate, that uh, she really didn't turn out to be this major moderate, but Hatch said the same thing about her, and she didn't turn out to be. So I actually went through some of the notable cases that uh, Garland put through. Uh, it turns out that Garland was actually a pretty activist guy. 
Now, of course, he was big on free speech, which may be where they got the myth that, okay, maybe he was a moderate of moderates, but I want to, let me get this quote here on the Second Amendment. Um, he did go through a few First Amendment uh, speeches and went to the left side and the more authoritarian side to that. Um, he heard cases arising about Guantanamo Bay, which was a very, very left-wing uh, talking point with this. He was deferential to the government on whistleblower protection, which deferential to the government does not spell moderate to me. Um, he was an activist on environmental law, but one of the quotes that came with the Second Amendment, uh, he voted in favor of an en banc review of the D.C. Circuit's panel decision on Parker versus D.C. invalidating the D.C. handgun ban. So uh, the Circuit Court went up and took the review of this case, which then kicked it back up to the Supreme Court, which affirmed the decision, which overturned the handgun ban in uh, D.C. Uh, I'm going to admit these guys here. Uh, well, it doesn't matter if they mute their mics because I've got the desktop audio off, I think. Let me go turn that off quick. Yeah. So they don't have to mute their mics in a hurry. But, yep, we've got uh, two more people sitting in the waiting room. Now we're just waiting on Harvey McLeod at this point. So I'll give that just a second. Let's get back into what I was reading here. So Garland voted in favor of an en banc review of the D.C. Circuit's panel decision on Parker versus D.C. invalidating the D.C. handgun ban, which the Supreme Court uh, subsequently affirmed five to four in an open or an opinion by Justice Scalia. Goldstein commented, Garland did not take a formal position on the merits of the case, and even if he had concluded that the statute was constitutional, that view of the case would have been conformed to widespread views under then existing Supreme Court precedent. Trevor Burris of the Cato Institute, and this was the one that caught me and made me realize that there were light years of difference between Garland and whoever Trump puts up at this point. Trevor Burris of the Cato Institute nonetheless wrote that libertarians and conservatives should be concerned about Garland's stance on gun rights. So, no. Garland was hardly the centrist of centrists. He was an activist judge who would have been an activist justice, but the other part of the problem in this is really what puts the light years of the difference between. McConnell was not going to confirm anybody that Barack, uh, Barack Obama put up. So he could just throw any name out there that he wanted. McConnell wouldn't have put anybody up for a vote short of Jesus Christ himself coming up for a vote. There was no chance that anybody was going to th throw through. So Barack Obama could just start throwing names out there. And he wasn't doing this to get a Supreme Court justice. Contrary to a lot of the popular belief of uh, people on the left that says that, uh, Gorsuch's seat was Garland's uh, seat, Garland was never meant to be a Supreme Court justice under the Obama administration. Garland was meant to be a campaign ad. That was what he was put up there for, to be a campaign ad. So that Hillary and Biden and anybody else that they nominated for years to come could come out and say, whoa, Look at the Senate. Look at the Senate and the corruption in the Senate. Why? Mitch McConnell? He, he didn't put uh, Garland up for a vote. He's corrupt. We need to vote him up. Vote in Amy McGrath. Or insert generic name of senator here. Garland was a campaign ad. 100%. Now, given the fact that McConnell actually wants to jam a vote through before Election Day, which, given everything that he said on the record... Even with the railroading of Brett Kavanaugh, given everything that Mitch McConnell said on the record for Merrick Garland, 
It would be incredibly stupid for him to walk that back right now, politically. And say, oh yeah, no, we're just going to jam somebody through because, haha, we have, we've got the floor right now. Politically, that would be insanely stupid. Especially given the fact that Ginsburg's death right now is campaign ads for both sides. Vote for me for president because I'm going to appoint the justice that you want. Both, hell, even Jorgensen can get in on this one at this point. All three, Jorgensen, Trump, and Biden can all start throwing their lists of people out that they want on the Supreme Court and use that to energize their bases. And make sure that the Senate goes in the way that the voters want to go. They have campaign ads left and right for this. And we'll see what the country actually wants. So, yeah, there were just, there were massive differences between the two situations. And to call one exactly the same as the other, or say that it's only different because, because he's a Republican. No, there were, there were big differences between this and the strategy that goes into this. Trump actually has to pick somebody who's going to be good for him and good for his name going into an election time. Barack Obama just had to throw somebody up and watch the fireworks fly and make campaign ads. That's all that he had to do. All right. Looks like I have four of my five panelists in here, so I am going to switch this over here. I'm going to get ready to take some questions here. Let me look in the live chat here to see what we've got for questions. Looks like I have got Silentcaster. Looks like Jason201776, Roe versus Wade, actually has not decided the issue of abortion. It has only decided that a patient has the right to privacy that allowed abortions to happen legally. Yeah, but left-wing Twitter is uh, not telling you that, and that's not what they're telling each other in their echo chamber. There are going to be 50 cases from each and every state regarding elections that are going to wind up in the SCOTUS, and if it is tied to 4-4, four, uh, four to four, what happens then? A lot of fireworks. Garland was a lightweight. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's actually smart that Mitch knows that the election is going to be decided by SCOTUS, and if it's tied, it would be a disaster for the country. Elections have consequences, and I support them putting in a new Supreme Court justice. And we will be asking the panel about this as well. People are confused by one thing when I say I want a more right-leaning judge right now. I prefer a strict constitutionalist, but the left is trying to dismantle it piece a piece at a time. Not good. All right, let's get the scene set up here because I've got people waiting. Uh, let's see. Looks like I've got Brit back. That's not the scene I want. That's the scene I want right there. All right, let's get this over here and start getting mics turned back on. All right, and we are going to switch this to gallery view so everybody is up here. And we are on, so let's start start turning some microphones back on. We are still waiting for, uh, looks like we're waiting for two people. Oh, Silentcaster looks like he might be starting to uh, fire back up. Britt, how are we doing today? Looks like you've got your microphone on first. Let me get your, hold on, let me uh, turn the desktop audio on so the audience can hear you. How are we doing, Britt? Good. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thanks. I've got some interesting questions for you guys. Um, Seawell, looks like you've got your microphone on. How are we doing today? Doing okay. How about you? Hopefully it's coming through. It is coming through 100%, and your identity is 100% still hidden. Silentcaster, welcome back. You are the most recent visitor to this channel. How are we doing? Oh, looks like I still don't have audio from you. Can you uh, check on that for me? Still nothing. 
Okay, are we good? Yeah, now we're good. Now we've got you Okay, here. sorry about that. <laughs> so while we're waiting for Harvey, which I'm not sure why she's not in here yet, uh, let's uh, go through a couple of introductions here. Uh, Britt, why don't you go first? Hi, I'm Britt. I'm uh, one half of the Freckles and Britt show, Tuesdays on YouTube, DLive, Spotify, Stitcher, all those things. And then I'm always on Twitter at Tweets by Britt. And I'm never on Parlor at Parley's by Britt. <laughs> Do better, Parlor. <laughs> all right, uh, Kevin, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, yourself? Sure. So I am a uh, mostly a speedrunner, but I do a uh, uh, monthly or bi-monthly talk show um, on my channel and Twitch. Uh, I'm at SilentCaster. Um, and I uh, do a lot of speed runs besides that. So. All right. And Seawall, I don't have the beeper out here, so I can't, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, mute and uh, retract anything that you say here. So... Let's uh, give us what little bit you can tell us about yourself hidden deep in your bunker. <laughs> Technically, I'm in a multi-story apartment complex, but hey. But yeah, I'm um, I'm kind of a professional lurker. I don't really do. I don't. I used to kind of run a show with a couple of guys, but it's fallen out of fashion just because of timing. Um, what was it? The Deplorable Batcave podcast, which was always fun. You might be able to catch some of the old episodes, but all of it's out of date now since how much craziness has gone on. Otherwise, I don't really exist on Twitter, YouTube. Um, I just kind of lurk around at J. Edgar's, the Generational Gap server, and just, you know, cause general mayhem and panic. All right. Well, it looks like it is going to be just the four of us here. So um, I want to go around and start hearing, first off, what your first impressions were when you first caught the news yesterday. So I'm going to start with you, Kevin, um, and then I'm going to go to Brit and then Seawall, but what was your first impression when you first found out about the fact I do? Okay, that's weird, because if you live within 30 minutes of the office, they always give better quality coverage because they know you can literally walk in there to complain. Which I will be doing on Monday because this is two weeks in a row that this has happened, and I can't keep running a podcast like this, even though we are back up and live here. So uh, I'm going to turn the floor back over to Kevin, and I'm going to get the new link out for uh, the live stream here. But... Um, so tell us what your first impression was when you found out about Ginsburg. Well, my first impression was, wow, this is going to be quite an election changer. Um, you know, not a lot of people are um, excited about Biden, but yet they're not really, um, I guess, you know, going for Trump uh, either. They have a lot of uh, reservations about Trump. So my first impression was this is going to be something that's really probably going to get people to the polls if, if something isn't. Uh, well, whether or not someone is jammed through before the election, um, it's going to get people to the polls because they're going to remember this one. Um, yeah, it's and that's one of the things I saw too. And like I said in the monologue, this was something that I almost seen coming for years at this point. Uh, Britt, what was your first impression when you first found out about this yesterday? That it was a hoax. That was like my very first impression. And then when I found out it was real the thought in my head was well what a hell mary for biden because that's that's all that i could think so i mean obviously it's not but uh yeah that was my first thought okay. it wasn't i mean i i knew it was gonna be it, it it's gonna be crazy either way the next 45 days this is just like another 
like, oh, look, 2020 and RBG is dead. All right, here we go. Yeah, that's <clears throat> one of the first things that I said, and I walked up because I was at work when I found out about this and uh, my boss had, uh, was taking over. He was covering for second shift for the day. So he was sitting up in his office. I walked up and I said, hey, you know that uh, calm, collected election cycle that we've had so far this year? Yeah, Ginsburg just died. So that's out the fucking window at this point. Uh, Seawall, what did you, uh, what was your first impression when you found out about this? Constant crab rave going on in my head. <laughs> now, can you, because uh, I still don't know what the meaning of that meme is. Can you explain to me what the, what the crab rave meme is? Because I have no idea, and I don't know if these two do either. Whenever someone that's mildly controversial or more serious controversial suddenly dies, you'll uh, like there's one for McCain. Basically, there was this techno song years ago called Crab Rave that mm-hmm. had like the 3D animated video of dancing crabs okay. associated with it. And whenever someone of prominence that is disliked by a group dies, someone puts a video up of you know, you know, so and so is dead, and Crab Rave. It's just, it's just the meme. Okay, so in, that's in why I've, I've seen the crab rave associated with Ginsburg for months at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, there's even a comic of, you know, the crab saying soon, and you see that little picture of Ginsburg looking worried in the background. Oh! I feel dumb, because now that all makes sense. It all makes you, sense You, sir, now. need to spend more time on the internet, <laughs> specifically certain darker corners of it. Are you talking about the 4chan corners of the internet? That's the kiddie pool. Oh. But but, but a good first step. Oh, the kiddie pool, you say. Uh, 4chan scares me a little bit. They found Shia LaBeouf's underground compound by cloud patterns. They scare the shit out of me. Well, they found the flag in 36 hours. I can actually tell you, they had an astronomy team, a flight path team, a social media team, um, and a and a, and, a, and a ground team that confirmed it, and it was, yeah, it, it, it it's scary what they can do, and that that's just the tip of the iceberg. They've uh, just to kind of not, not go too far into a tangent. They've also found ISIS camps that, uh, just through the videos of the beheadings, and um, apparently the U.S. military has then suddenly suddenly there were drone strikes at those locations after 4chan found them. I think at this point we should get rid of big intel in the U.S. and just hire 4chan because they apparently do a better job of it. So, but yeah, but uh, my more serious one is I, I kind of agree with Tim Poole a little bit in that he's saying that, yes, it's going to energize a bit of Biden's base, but also it's probably going to energize more people for Trump because there's another effect we've been seeing. A lot of Biden surrogates supporters are saying, burn it down, riot now. So they are, their enthusiasm is destructive, not constructive, which means you're going to push more people into the Trump camp. Okay. All right. And so now I want to, you know, get into a little bit of a back and forth with you guys off of this here. But uh, I want you guys to share, you know, some of the some of the things that you've seen so far with uh, with your followers or the people that you follow and the initial reactions that you've seen off of this. Because, I mean, Twitter has been a complete dumpster fire. Twitter has been a dumpster fire outside of a toxic, uh, toxic wake pro- uh, processing plant. That's how bad it's gotten over the last couple days. Uh, but, uh, I would argue it's gone Chernobyl meltdown. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, this is a regular Saturday for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did post that uh, yesterday. That I mean, I've seen some very, very toxic stuff that would be 
unprecedented internet culture in any other year. But sadly, this year, it's a, a new medium. Um, Britt, I actually invited you on specifically because you're on Liberty Hi. Twitter. So <laughs> you, Liberty Twitter is split on this one I've, from what I've seen so far. And you are a little yeah. bit more involved with that. You see a lot more creators. But uh, what are some of the best and worst takes that you've seen on this so far? And so, you guys chime in if you want to ask a question of her or not comment on any of this. One of the first things that I said about, the, well, the very first thing I said about this was just that she had died, mm -hmm. just so that I could get a feel of the, how people were going to go with this. And of course they were trash, like right from the start. Um, but one of the first things that I really noticed that I tweeted about was that the left has been politicizing this from the second that it happened and out of the other side of their mouth saying that it's too early to talk about politics when anyone on the right mentions it. So, um, and it seemed like most people in Liberty Twitter kind of agreed with that, like that they, they can see what's happening already. Um, I see the left, they're so angry. I mean, some of the first tweets, none of them were like, rip RBG. They were like, if they try and put any anybody else, we're gonna burn the building down. Like, yeah, that's, that's really gonna get people to wanna vote for Biden, thinking that like, uh, his base is now gonna just burn things down continuously, like we've seen for the last couple months. That only stopped when oh, we saw bad poll numbers and sports mm -hmm. started. And they, like, they're, like, their response to everything is like, let's just burn everything down. Well, I would uh, argue, I would argue that this has not just been politicized from the point that it happened. I would argue all here, sorry about that once again. Um, looks like we'll wait for the stream to pop back on. Now, I mentioned right before we had the blink that I would argue almost that this has been politicized from the moment that they started looking at Kavanaugh. Um, this has definitely been something that we've been seeing from the beginning of this. Uh, J. Edgar, I would counter that. I would say this started back with good old Bork all the way back in the day, ju uh, uh, Justice Bork. You, you, the term getting borked, it was the, the tactic the left used to disqualify justices for years by basically going, oh, they have this questionable personal history. Mm -hmm. completely ignoring their entire prosecutorial record, never giving them a chance to defend themselves. Well, I mean, that politicized uh, Kavanaugh, but I mean, it's the Ginsburg thing that I want to focus on. This is the fact uh, the way that yeah. they politicized. Go ahead. So let's just, well, let's just stick with kind of the last 10 years. Um, and let I want to talk about some terminology really quick. Anytime in the news media, MSM cycle, anything that you see moderate, that is that terminology is really uh basically a dog whistle for liberal like any justice that's a moderate is is a liberal and they say that so that they garner support um and it's basic it's a tool of social control it's like if we change the wording like they always do they do they do it with tons of things so if you want to talk about actual moderates that are on the Supreme Court. Neil Gorsuch is moderate. Brett Kavanaugh is a moderate. These are not conservative justices. Wait, wait, uh, wait, no, no. I thought that they told me that uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh were forming a cabal to take abortions I, away I, and put all women, chain them back into the kitchen. And Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, it turns out not so much. Um, and they've repeatedly decided, they've, they've repeatedly gone against what they were supposed to do. Like, really, 
I can't believe that I am allowed on the internet right now because I should be baking something. But here we are. So, well, I've, um, I've known so, you for four months and you should just be baked. I, <laughs> you know, uh, first of all, sidebar, uh, I am not stoned and I have not drank anything today because this was very important. I'm drinking water for now. I'll probably be stoned by the end of this. But Okay, like, can, you, I started... can you get off the screen and then bring Britt back? <laughs> well, I thought that this might be an important subject as opposed to everything else I talk about. But uh, yeah, so when they say like, uh, like, Garland or RGB, like that they were moderates. They weren't moderates. Like you had talked about earlier, they were activists. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was an activist that I will say, and I'll probably be the only one on the panel to say this, um, was a much needed activist for women at a certain time in history. But we see she seems to have been stuck in that time in history where she no longer had to be an activist in 2020 for the things that she was uh, fighting for in 1970, like uh, equal rights for women and mm -hmm. equal pay for women. We know that um, those things are said that women don't have equal rights and that women don't get paid the same as men, but statistics, data doesn't actually back that up. So she kind of stayed in an era, um, fighting for an era that's long bygone. So uh, I, you know, I, I can look at her, I can look at her history and say that is someone that their, their ambition is something to emulate. Their ideology is not. Yeah, you know, it's like everything else up at this point. If they don't have something to fight and be active uh, for, what are they going to do? It's the same thing with fulfilling campaign promises. If they fulfill the campaign promises, what do they campaign on next year? Now, Kevin, you are in completely different circles, I think, than the other three of us here. So I want to see what uh, impressions that you've seen on well, the circles I, you run in. Well, I have, uh, I guess, the people that I uh, normally kind of see. And, and you have to remember, I'm just an observer. I really don't get involved on Twitter or Facebook or post very much at all. Okay. Um, and so I've seen a lot of people on the, uh, you know, Lot, a lot of people that are on the left um, in mourning and whatnot. And I take a little bit of a different approach than the other panelists here today on how this will affect the election. The reason being is because, again, there's no, there was no, there was not really that much excitement for Biden. I mean, if we think back to the, um, you know, the Iowa caucuses, I mean, he got slammed in the caucuses. Like nobody showed up for him. And, you know, the same with Nevada. So, I mean, like, nothing, there's nothing to be excited about. And there is no way that Biden hiding in his basement can actually excite people. But, and even with Kamala Harris, I mean, she's not, she's not doing anything either. The thing about it is, is that with this, people, like the, the Supreme Court, a lot of people look at, a lot of the decisions they make can affect their lives personally. Um, and so I think this will actually energize moderates, especially if Trump's trying to push someone through, um, you know, quickly, because a lot of people look at like a lot of the people that would vote for Trump are often like, uh, you know, socially on the left, but, you know, fiscally and and whatnot on the right. Um, so it's it's 
the court could energize them more towards the left and say, well, you know. So um, going back on to what we were saying off of this before, uh, Britt, you were starting to lead into anything when I noticed that we were uh, disconnected there, so. Well, no, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I think that this is going to energize Biden's base. I think that it was, uh, like I said, my first thought was, oh, this is like, this was her Hail Mary for Biden to just die 45 days before the election. And um, I mean, not to sound cavalier about it, it's sad, but she was also 87 years old and one of the most powerful women in the world. You know, she, so she led a good life. Um, but as far as Joe Jorgensen goes, I'm probably the worst libertarian to pick because I've made it almost abundantly clear every time I open my mouth about her that uh, I feel like she's a, a plant. I'll keep my I'll keep my language less <laughs> vulgar than what I actually believe. <laughs> but uh, how do you really feel? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say how uh, the, use those words. But uh, if Ed gives me the okay, uh, he knows exactly what I'm going to say right now. <laughs> so I do, and not uh, just considering the fact that the person who normally sits on the left of the screen is uh, the social media director for Jorgensen. <laughs> I would uh, I would actually kind of will you not to if mine. you could. What's that? And a friend of mine. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, so I don't think, I don't think Joe had a shot either way. I mean, she didn't either way, um, but she had a better chance of bringing the Libertarian Party into the mainstream before this happened. So it really did kind of, it really did hurt her. Um, and I, I noticed something on Twitter today that I thought was a great take from, I think, Redbeard Anarchy. He had said that uh, all the people that are saying that libertarians are just Republicans look around now. Now that you have this, do you really want to continue to call all these libertarians Republicans? Because in 2016, 4.6 million of us voted for Gary Johnson. Like, if do you want all of those people to go to Trump? Because that's what's... Uh, I see that starting to happen. I saw as soon as Joe Jorgensen was uh, nominated that people were already starting to grumble. In fact, what, two, three weeks ago, Austin Peterson, who ran for president under the Libertarian Party in 2016, uh, or, yeah, in 2016, he had said he's voting for Donald Trump. With this, this just gives uh, this just gives permission to any libertarian that was on the fence because most of them are not going to vote for Biden. They're either going to vote for Joe or they're not going to vote. And then now a lot of them are going to vote for Trump. All right. Um, dark corners of the Internet. Seawall, what uh, good takes and bad takes have you seen running around? Well, the memes have been very spicy. That's for damn sure. But the more serious part of it is I, I haven't dug too much into the political side of it. I've seen, obviously, the memes, people poking fun. It, it happens when anyone, as I said, controversial dies. Memes are made about it. Um, and at the end of the day, um, I know you guys are thinking this is this is definitely going to give some energy to the Biden camp. Problem is, is the energy going to last, especially with things like the upcoming debates? Mm -hmm. If Biden doesn't show up, that's going to be a problem for him. And not only that, but the whole, um, uh, uh, so what was uh, Senator Castor? I'm forgetting what you go by. Uh, is that just Castor? Captain. Captain, Castor, asshole, Caster. whatever you want to call him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, um, the, the thing is, um, you would say, yeah, the media definitely still has influence. The problem is media currently is at an extreme low in trust right now. Trump has a higher trust when it comes to uh, versus the media right now. It's ridiculous what's happened. The media is gone. You have journalists interviewing journalists about how bad Trump is for journalism. I guess on major I, shows. I, I do understand that. What I would say, though, is that with the, with the courts, it, there's there's not really any hiding or propaganda that the media can do that could, that could really that could really affect um, what the the basic um, decisions that people would want to see. So, you know, when people think of the courts, they think of like you know um, pretty top brass issues like gay marriage uh, and uh, you know Roe versus Wade and uh, you know gun rights and whatnot. So, which has very significantly shifted towards a more two a two a libertarian position. So if Biden nominate if Biden puts forward anyone that has a sordid past with two a, where they were very anti two a, that will actually lead to a lot of moderates shifting to Trump. Um, it's one it's one of those things that uh, the thing right now because of the riots especially, a combination of factors is going to cause I I predict is going to cause a backfire with Biden. Well, He's going to get an initial boost. And then he's going to basically put his foot in his mouth like he's always done. He's going to say, I'm going to nominate, you know, a, a, a gay woman of color to the, the courts. He's going to present a list and they're going to be hardcore activists. Well, and one of the and things that I, go like, I, want to take, I want to take that a step further when it comes to energizing the base and thinking how energized the base was to scream that it was Garland's turn over Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, because I would not be surprised, given the Twitter presence, if Kamala Harris is waiting to put Garland up. Yeah, who has a very questionable past with the 2A. Yeah. The thing is, they they talked about that over on the monologue. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, right now, I mean, first-time gun owners, it's skyrocketed in the U.S. And how many of those do you think are, uh, you know— right-wing people that were already going to vote for Trump. No, there were a lot of quote-unquote moderates or uh, people that were apolitical or even left-wing people. And they went, wait, I can't just walk in and buy a gun? No. Uh, yeah. I live in Los Angeles County. My husband went to buy ammunition and the over and over and over when he was in line was pe- were people that were upset that they couldn't go in and buy a gun, that they absolutely believed everything that the media had told them about how easy it is to get a gun. And in California, you have to have two forms of ID just to buy ammunition now. I mean, it's crazy. Well, I was about to say also in Los Angeles, I mean, you went out to buy ammunition. Which one of your kids did you sell? (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, I've heard stories um, from people in California that do their own loading that California has gone after the people that are doing their own ammo loading too, hardcore. I don't know know any of those people. Well, apparently it can take uh, up three to six months just to get a single thing of of uh gunpowder i don't have any gunpowder well it's one of those things that people the 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 enthusiasts they're even targeting the enthusiasts so they're being very very systematic in california not enthusiastic about guns yeah no not at all (laughs) not i I know where you're going with that so i want to go on to the next step here because that's seeming to be what the biggest debate is in these 24 hours since the event happened, which we are coming right up to the 24 hour mark at this point. The biggest debate is, and I'm going to ask you individually, but I'm going to have each of you defend it. So jump in if you hear something you disagree with on any of this, but uh, I am going to start with Seawall on this one. 
do we wait until after the election or do we ram one through it all de- it all depends on current public sentiment i can't say what the strategy is what, no, the thing if, is, if what, you're the advisor i want to see what your strategy is at this point so um, put yourself in the place my, of a presidential advisor i would play it a little bit slower and safe i would say okay mr president here's the list that we've all kind of agreed to of justices let's put it out and see what people say and see what public sentiment is okay and see what biden's reaction is because if biden you know suddenly says hey we need to elect you know karl marx's reincarnation to the supreme court um that's when you go okay he's crazy and but you and then you tout that saying hey we got this great list i think bernie Sanders is too old to be on the supreme court though (laughs) Well, he's not he's not too old for a certain one-way trip over the Pacific or Atlantic. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Defensively, of course, Susan. <laughs> of um, course. Uh, Britt, uh, pop your microphone back on. And uh, yeah. what about but, you? What yeah. are you what are you thinking about this uh, Ram one through now or wait? Well, if I if we had the time, what I would do is have a extremely left wing like extremely liberal nominee up mm-hmm. and then when it's garnered support rescind that nomination and then so that we could get past the whole like oh we can't do this during an election year and then put somebody up that is actually you know qualified um so you're saying but, turn the argument against him yes basically absolutely nominate uh, garland basically Pretty much, yeah. And well, then that would kill it. his reputation too. I mean, if Trump nominated Garland, but told Mitch, "Hey, make the, uh, drag this on, and I'll pull the nomination later when you dig something up." Yeah, I don't think. Do you think one? Not do you think there would be one person wearing a MAGA hat in this country that wouldn't go like, "Oh, I love it, love it." Like, like every it would energize that base. It would be the ultimate Trump troll. So well, you got to remember that everybody wearing a MAGA hat is also thinks that Trump walks on water, so he can't do anything wrong anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not going to lose. He's not going to lose any support. And I think there's a lot of people that actually would just like to see it happen because it would put some semblance of balance in some people's minds. Like, oh, OK, we need to shut down this like, you know, this oh, we're not going to do this because of this. And then just every single election cycle, it's heightened and we have more and more. Not only that, but if he chooses Garland, then suddenly they have to, you basically turn them into their own hypocrites. You make them, you cause them to turn the weapons on each other Mm because some will say, oh, great, he's doing the right thing. He's putting Garland where he should be. But another part basically has the whole, okay, what what did Trump do? Does Trump have like secret intel on Garland? Has Garland switched sides? Is he a secret Nazi? And then suddenly goes completely off the wall and fires on the other part. Basically, yeah. you ki- you you make the enemy kill itself. It's amazing. It's literally when Trump had uh, what did he sign about landlords? And I think Vox came out with an article the next day, or the Washington was some, or maybe New York Times. Some yeah, like eviction. Talking eviction. about how landlords were the victims, and I was like. Thank the Lord, because that is the last step in full-blown communism is to kill the landlord. But, I mean, yeah, as far as as far as if, if I was on Trump's team and I was giving any advice, yeah, I would say do that, because it's right in line with something that he would do. Um, but what I think he's going to do is just go ahead and, and try and ram someone through. Um, 
I think it's not going to go well. And I think that he is going to show, I think he's going to turn that and say, look, the left does not want to play ball. They don't want to play ball. We've nominated two moderate uh, Supreme Court justices. Like he's going to try and show the record for Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And then he's going to probably pick someone that's moderate conservative to try and ram through. And he's going to say, look, they don't want to play ball. They want a super leftist. Is that how you want the country well, to go? And he's, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a dangerous situation because I think it puts people well, in the position of deciding, you know, he's what likely to, he's li- he likely would do, it would also be, it would also be a woman. So it'd be even, it'd be tricky for the left to do the attack because yeah. then, yeah. So uh, yeah, likely, as I said, what, that was there. Basically, my position is send the list out and just and put on the list a bunch of left wing judges just so you make sure they can never get more power in the courts again, because the media will crucify everyone on that list. So th- that's my position. Basically, put a list out of fairly non offensive left wing judges, make it seem like he's trying to keep the balance of the court as it is. Uh-huh. In actuality, his real choice is he's going to wait for after the election. Preferably, you know, he'll put his nomination and say, hey, Senate, unless the Senate, if the Senate's going to say roughly the same, he says, hey, Senate, just go forward. You know, it's not going to change much after the new Senate's brought in. So go ahead. You're not a lame duck. If the Senate flops, um, which is unlikely, I would argue at this point, based on the current electoral map, it's likely going to stay in the hands of Republicans. They might make gains. They might lose a seat. It's hard to say. Well, you guys are treading actually into my next question here. So I actually want to give uh, Kevin a chance to uh, respond to the first question here. And, uh, then we can sit and discuss the next question off of this. But uh, what do you think the best strategy is right now to ram one through or to wait until after the election? Uh, 100% wait. And the reason being is because um, his, the perceived front runners for him right now are pretty conservative and pretty hated by the left. So like I said, that is going to be um, a, a point of contention that will energize that base. And yet, it's really not going to affect him on the right because his base is already energized. Um, I think it can do more damage than it can um, help. And if he kind of floats like some more moderates, uh, you know, as possibilities, um, but doesn't really, you know, but says he's, but still says, Hey, I'm going to wait. Then I think he'll be, I think he'll be better off strategy wise. And it looks like we are being joined by one more person here as soon as the uh, audio kicks in. So I'm going to wait here just a second and uh, ask the same question to our next guest. If uh, everything kicks in here. Uh, Harvey, do you have audio yet? No audio yet. No camera, no audio yet. Give it just a second to kick through. Oh, I think I have audio. Can you, can you see me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, your webcam keeps blinking on and off, but we can hear you at least. I'm hitting it a lot. <laughs> okay, is that good? That's good. Yeah. Hi, everybody. You oh, look good. Thank you. I didn't know we had to dress up. I, I'm the only one that is, so. <laughs> I, I was thinking Jewish funeral, so, uh, you know, throw on the suit, throw on the black tie, and everything else like this. Yeah, um, I threw on the leather jacket. Yeah. That is true. So joining us uh, in program already in progress here is Harvey McLeod, uh, Twitch streamer, who's also been a great friend of this show. Um, 
I'm going to skip the pleasantries at this point because we are in the midst of a big round table here. So I'm going to ask you the same question I have asked the other three people up on the screen here is, given now the situation that we're sitting in, do you think it is more appealing right now to Trump to ram somebody through or to wait until after the election and defend your position? Oh, boy. I think I think it might be in his best interest to wait until after the election, because it, if he picks a polarizing person within his own loyalist party, that can create some division. Mm-hmm. And I think once he gets reelected, and I, I am confident that he is going to get reelected, um, there's a chance that some of the energy that despises Trump that's going to be against him might let up a little bit because the, the election will be done by then. And then now they can focus on his, his pick rather than his pick and his campaign. So I think it might be in his best interest to wait. However, before I joined, I did see that he said he was going to announce somebody next week. So hmm. <clears throat> either know- way, it's crazy shitstorm coming. Well, I also know that McConnell did come out and say that whoever uh, gets picked is going to uh, get a vote onto him, which I think is uh, like, I think it's the consensus on the screen right now is playing with fire. I don't think that's going to be the best way to do it, especially when you have freaked a little bit of a hiccup in spectrum uh, happened while I was talking because I value your opinions more than my own here. So uh, welcome back, everybody. Sorry about uh, the constant jumps with spectrum here. I will be going down to the office on Monday and figuring out why this is keeping uh, continuing to happen. So thank you for bearing with us. This is, uh, this has happened to me before. So uh, thank you for bearing with us off of this. Um, Yeah, no, I, I'm sure that they've got somebody picked, somebody ready to go, and that they're getting ready to come into this because, and once again, why would they walk away from free campaign ads? Vote for me, because I'll protect your gun rights. I'll protect your religious liberties, and they've got activists they want to legislate from the bench. You know what's mm-hmm. coming. And that, like I said, yeah. that's, that's campaign ad number one. Mm-hmm. So, well, go ahead. It should be, uh, well, who, who do you think, um, he should target should he go for a moderate or should could he go should he go for a hard conservative because Bader Ginsburg was very left very very so yes so uh, this is going to turn the tides that's actually my next question here and because I'm going to ask two questions to each of you here but uh, this is going to be a jump ball for you so anybody who gets the uh, their decision first can go first off of this one because I think the rest of you are going to have to think about it a little bit but uh, (laughs) if this happens before the election who would you think would be the best pick? Um, whoever goes for who wants to go first. Well, wait. If what happens if his nomination happens, or if his actual hearing to be appoint his actual appointment? Both. If the nomination and the hearing for the appointment happens first. Okay. Jump ball. Anybody who wants to go first can go first. Well, I don't really have any names. This all happens like so quickly, so I haven't even thought about who he would pick. Strategically, so. I would say Susan Collins. I don't. I know she's not on the list, but strategically, Susan Collins, I believe, would be the best. Um, she's not. She's not looking so good in her race right now, and it's somebody that um, is very palatable to the left. Um, would get a lot of independent voters. Um, a lot of independent voters like her, and yet she still tilts conservative. So I think, you know, it would it would make his base happy. So I think 
that would be the best choice. That is an interesting pick given what the political situation is doing right now. And I say that simply because we're looking at a situation where, how do I put this? Collins is going to vote against the confirmation. She's already come out and said that no matter who goes up, she's going to vote against the confirmation. So that is mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. a very, very that's interesting strategy. Yeah, that is absolutely 100% professional. Um, well, it, that's pretty much guaranteed that she's lost any Trump voters yeah. in her districts. Guaranteed. I'm, I'm sorry. A, a lot of these quote-unquote moderate Republicans in the Senate really need to start double-checking their internal polling <laughs> that shows that they will lose significant chunks of the base because Trump has a 90-plus percent approval rating among Republicans. For well, in, in party approval, that's one of the, that's the highest on record. Murkowski period. has voted... Um, against Trump several times um, in her in her tenure. So yeah. um, it wouldn't be the first time that she did it. When was she origin- when, when was she last elected? Murkowski uh, is four years, I think, into her term. So so she is facing re-election in two years. Mm-hmm. So we've got to find out if the chickens are coming home to roost in two years. Because remember, senators are six-year terms, yep. so... And depending on what internal polling you might see in the next few years, if 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 and likely Trump gets reelected, what you might see is you might see her suddenly flip and suddenly become, you know, wearing that wearing a little my hat, waving a little American flag, going, "Of course I back the president." <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, it, it will it just kind of get into the general political. If Trump walks away with a landslide, you'll see a lot more senators and congressmen, or at least Republicans, going. Yes, Mr. President, of course, Mr. President, just becoming yes men because they know, oh, crap, if I don't back him, I am screwed next time. Um, anybody else have a pick for this one? Possibly. I think it's going to be a woman. Yeah. Either way. Sorry, go ahead, Harvey. Oh, no, just I think it's going to be a woman. I think strategically that's going to be one of his best bets for them to be a little bit more accepting of it because a woman for a woman. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, I, my guess would be if, if it it's going to be a woman, it's probably going to be like Barbara Lagoa because she's what, Cuban, a Hispanic woman, makes sense, right? More Hard for the left to fight against because of their uh, yes, uh, identity absolutely. politics. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I forget her name. Uh, Amy, Amy Barrett? Amy yeah, actually, Barrett. I texted uh, Elaine as soon as that happened, and I said, uh, is anybody calling Amy Coney Barrett yet? Yeah, Amy Coney Barrett. That's what I was like. What's her name? Yeah. Uh, because she was, wasn't she like Scalia's uh, protege? Oh like, huh? Protege. Yeah, she she worked for uh, in the appeals court under Scalia. I think I'm pretty sure. Um, and I think that she would be. I think she would be a good pick. Um, but my, I mean, I think she would be the best choice i mean what's the other choice like tom cotton but like i i bet i i mean she seems like she would be the best pick but i'm guessing it's it's barbara uh because man she's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard for anyone to fight against that mm-hmm. they're gonna well, have- no because they'll just say she's just a traitor to her race and to her uh, you know what, yeah. well here's the problem they do. they do that but that only works internally that will cause it because it because the thing is the reason why it hasn't backfired on them yet is because when they use that they don't use it on big targets they only seem to use that on small targets so the moderate vote doesn't notice it 
The moderate vote is only recently getting cued into their racial insanity with the Black Lives Matter riots. If they suddenly now, the media is going like, uh, oh, she, she's a race traitor on you know MSNBC, but not in more polite terms, of course. A lot of people are going to go, wait, what did they just say about her? They're already doing that, though. Yeah. They're, I mean, this is, this is par for the course at this point. Uh, this yeah. is happening consistently over and over. So I, I don't think that it would be that far of a leap because it will literally be followed with, it's too important for us to blah, 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 whatever, Joe yeah. Biden, so we could burn down the country. <laughs> All right. See, well, you're the only one who hasn't answered this question yet. For well, the problem for is I don't, really keep, I don't really keep up. Um, my, my thought, I, I, I'm going to go with the wild card here. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he he's saying he's going to have a pick next week, and he's going to just kind of swap to, oh, I've got a list of people because you know what? The right thing to do would be to basically he's he's uh, bait and switching them. He This is a strategy he's used with the media time and time again. He says he does one thing, and then he does the com- a completely different thing after the media has already dug themselves a hole. And they have to now suddenly uh, flip on a dime and just, you know, embarrass themselves. Because suddenly they have to argue the opposite or a different position that's counter to what they originally argued. So I'm thinking thinking he's not going to nominate anyone. I'm thinking he's going to drop a list and say, oh, I'm going to be doing an election. Yeah. He did drop a list. It's on the White House website. Yeah. I think he said, did he say he was choosing someone next week or announcing He did come out and make the announcement he is. My yeah, I mean, if I have to, if we have to, like, if we had to make a hard pick, I'm gonna go with. Oh man, I'm gonna go with Amy Coney Barrett. I just, I really, I really don't. I I really know that what is her last name? Barbara Logia, Logia, Lagoa, Lagoa, right? Lagoa. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Um, I really think that she would be harder to fight, but I think Amy Coney Barrett has a just. I think she's just a better pick. I. I yeah. Well, also remember that Roberts is probably going to be retiring in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. so we can get he'll get replaced. And Has Michael anybody can... listened to Sticks? Because Sticks made a prediction another one's going to die during Trump's term, besides Ginsburg, and I can't remember who it was. Well, during a second term. Yeah, during a second term, there's another really um, old one on there that will probably. Uh, kick we were just body. talking about that at work last night too, and I can't think of the name either. Yeah, I can't remember the name. But yeah, what if that happens too? And he's got two, he's got three picks that he gets to go through. That'd be four. That would be four right there. That'd be four, yeah, if another one does. Yeah, holy crap. And the country shall burn. I'm going to drop the next question that I had here because I'm running up against the time that I promised you guys here. But I do have, um, I've got one really important question for you guys here. And this is the other debate that's been going on around... uh, various circles of the internet right now the big debate is that mcconnell's a hypocrite because he wants to push somebody through even though he blocked the scalia pick and i want to get everybody's take on that um harvey since you are the newest participant in this i want to take your take on this first how does this stack up differently versus scalia dying with rbg dying well what do you mean can you can you repeat the first thing So the big debate that's been going around Twitter is the fact that McConnell's a hypocrite because uh, he's willing to vote for somebody in this short of a time span and he wouldn't give uh, Obama's pick a vote. So is this this different or is this the same? I I think 
the, as far as attitude goes, it just depends on who's making the pick. Mm-hmm. It, do, it doesn't matter who the person is. Yeah. They're going to change their rules. Like, I don't think there's been any consistency in their politics, especially recently. So, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Look to politicians for consistency, I guess. Yeah, exactly. There's no consistency. They're going to change to make the other person look bad and that's, or to, to stop them every step of the way. There is no honor among them. Seawall, what do you think about the situation between uh, Scalia passing away and uh, Ginsburg passing well, away? I believe it was, um, again, I kind of borrow Tim Poole because he's a bit more informed than I am on this one. Um, the thing is, people think that, you know, the only reason why, what was it, uh, why um, McConnell did that back then was because, oh, you know, it, it's a presidential election year. Actually, that was only one element of a much more nuanced argument. It also combined in the fact that the Senate was controlled by the opposing party and Obama was a lame duck president. He had lost the midterm to the Republicans. Republicans took over the House and Senate. He was a lame duck president, meaning that he lost. um, What was it? I can't remember what the term is. Um, uh, Not the will to govern um, mandate to govern. He lost the mandate to govern because of the midterms. Basically, the American people said, no, we are not supporting you on this so he lost the mandate to govern he was a lame duck president and i believe it didn't scalia die uh like halfway or almost all the way through the midterms yeah it was probably it was just a few months before the election hold on, let me check when scalia died which what i that's what i thought and i mean i cited the same thing with uh with harry reed and george w bush toward the end of his term and George W. Bush himself was a lame duck sitting at that uh, point because he had also lost yeah. the mandate to government. Well, yeah, Harry Reid did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Harry he didn't did do the same with, exact time. He didn't do it with the Supreme Court pick because there wasn't one that came up there, but he did yeah. threaten to do so if it did come up. And he was well, doing not it with only that, but picks. he he also yeah he did it with all of Bush to a riot. I brought all kinds of fun toys to the riot, and we are back online, so everybody on YouTube just heard me say that as well. Um. <laughs> So you were saying you just confirmed when uh, Scalia passed away? Yes, yeah, Scalia passed on February 13th, 2016. And if I remember right, they were still in the middle of the um uh, were still it was in the earlier middle stage of the primaries. Mm-hmm. Now, and again also at that point Obama was a lame duck president. He wasn't getting re-election. He had lost the midterm, so he didn't get uh, he had lost the mandate to govern at that point. Mm-hmm. And for a position that important, not only that, but um, people f- forget that Harry Reid did, na- did an even nastier tactic with Bush at the end of his presidency. Bush had several appointments he wanted to put forward, and Harry was like, no, nah, I'm not listening to any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas this one, I think Obama, only, it, was only one, it was only one position that was very important that Harry was like, it's, uh, not Reid, um, that McConnell, Mitch McConnell was like, yeah, no, we're not listening to this. And again, it, Mitch McConnell didn't create, up the, create this tactic. It was Harry Reid. So again, another breach of decorum wasn't started by Republicans. It was started by the Democrats. You know, they, they got the Democrats got rid of the filibuster for justices. Yet they try to piss on Republicans for it. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, they've been trying to do that for a while. Yeah. And they're well, trying to get rid of filibuster in general. And the thing is, the Republicans have warned them every time. Look, every time you breach decorum, it comes back to bite you. They are literally telling their exactly. enemy, you're making a mistake. Stop. Kevin, I want you to weigh in on this uh, question. 
Well, I think the I think the initial argument of trying to you know not appoint someone or appoint someone based on an election year or um, you know what what uh, I guess odds of approval are and whatnot. Um, I, I, I think it's a I think it's a faulty argument to begin with. So be, just because you know the Supreme Court is in theory supposed to be a non political body, it's supposed to interpret law. It's not supposed to be political. So the fact that Mitch McConnell probably dug himself a hole back when he made the initial argument when Obama was doing it um, and has to turn around and kind of, yeah, exactly. And Harry Reid and now has to defend it. Well, you made your bed, you got to lie in it. It it, it is hypocritical. It, It is, but it's, it's just, you know, he has to, he has to have some kind of an out in order to in order to you know get his way this time but not get his way the previous time um that being said uh you know i my thing is is there's an opening if there's a qualified individual and enough people agree on it then it it should it should happen like the people that are elected you know appoint it in the proper way then it should happen so um all the way by the way was it stephen Breyer that we were trying to think of earlier that we think yeah Breyer is what is the yeah. now the old, most uh, is the oldest at 82 and based on law of averages for men he's about 10 years past the normal expiration date <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> that's dark <laughs> well average age for men in the u.s is 72 women is 78 mm-hmm. but once you start getting into these things these guys basically have access to the best health care money can buy so that you give it's harder to tell then then also you roll the genetic lottery at that point as well mm-hmm. absolutely uh brit why don't you uh, finalize us out on this question here okay well a couple of things i agree with all three of you um i wouldn't say i mean is it hypocritical yes is it more like just you know partisan reversal that's that's what you do that's mm-hmm. what basically uh what would be more hypocritical him not trying to push uh, uh, someone through right now and him not fighting uh, for Scalia's spot or are completely going against his party? Like, which is going to be, which is going to make him the bigger hypocrite? So does he have to defend his position now? Yes, but he doesn't have to defend what he did four years ago. I don't think so. And I also think that he can work under a theory of change, which is basically what he says he did. And just because, you know, liberals say they can't do that, it doesn't mean that, you know, conservatives can't. So, I mean. Not only that, but again, we could be facing a bait and switch. It literally could be Trump says, okay, Mitch, you be gung-ho. I'll put the brakes on before the election. Yeah, we could. I mean, I'm just looking at it on the, like, on its face, what it is. Mitch McConnell doesn't care if he's a hypocrite. Mitch McConnell would be a bigger hypocrite if he didn't fight for his party. That's just yeah. the bottom line. He is not concerned about he, he what he's mainly concerned about is what's going to happen the next 20, 30 years in the courts. So, I, I mean, it is what it is. They uh, every one of them does it. Harvey said the exact same thing, basically. I mean, that's it, it's what politicians do. Well, and one thing that I none of you brought up that I was a little bit surprised about that's been circling and rattling through my head since the very beginning of this is the fact that, I mean, I've seen the question on Twitter, 
but I haven't heard it from any of you guys, is the fact of if Madam Hillary were sitting in the same place with a mandate, would she be waiting? No. That's because no. I don't think No, that. she wouldn't. She'd be no, jumping she for would, this. Well, she would try to find some executive way to pa- bypass the Senate to go even faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she, she would have suicided Ginsburg months ago. Oh, yeah, no, I don't yeah. think Ginsburg would have lasted this long. Absolutely not. You're well, right on that. Okay, if Hillary won, uh, if Hillary somehow won in 2016, I think Ginsburg within about a year would have retired. Just Probably. due to her age and the, her medical issues. She would have just gone, look, I, I, I've had my fun. It's time for me to wander off into yeah, the sunset. Because she knows Hillary would replace her with someone super left. Mm-hmm. She would replace her basically with Gins- Mecca Ginsburg. Yeah, pretty much. So. And I don't. Yeah, I try not to think about anything that Hillary would do because yeah. everything would be completely worse. worse. And yes, that, that's it. I'm going to just leave well, it there. Uh, I, I, I've, I've heard some very interesting things regarding what would have happened with Hillary. I, I do not want to do those on air because it could get a buddy of mine in trouble. So well, thank you for that. Yeah, but uh, the, there were some interesting machinations happening in various areas of the u.s regarding hillary clinton i disavow and i say defensively susan <laughs> all right and that uh i think that's going to be all that i have for the round table of here i want to thank everybody who came by here i am going to take listener questions for about a half hour if you guys could keep filling the chat with questions or reach out to any of your friends and get them up in here for the question if you guys have to jet for the next half hour or before the next half hour, you are welcome to do so. And I I do so with uh, your my thanks for you guys coming in here. But if you guys want to hang for just a little bit and uh, help me out with some of these listener questions, I think that would be awesome of you. I think that would be uh, 100% cool of you here. I'm going to scroll back up into here for just a sec up to where we got... Uh, where we got cut off the first time here, I know that uh, starting off on the chat for me, because I had to restart it after one of the cutoffs, was uh, I'm not allowed to say that, Saint. So, uh, yes, no. <laughs> Britt uh, Brit does have some uh, definite things to say about uh, the current libertarian candidate off of this. Could, do, you, do you have anything that you can at least keep a little bit cleaned up off of this without making my co-host quit? She, uh, yeah, she, she might never come on my show again. Uh, <laughs> I would say this. I didn't. I didn't have a strong faith in Joe Jorgensen when I first saw her website the minute that she was nominated. Obviously, someone like me is going to go right over there and see what's going on with her. Um, she continuously espouses Marxist ideology and then backpedals into this is libertarian ideology. And uh, it, it, it's bothersome, to say the least. And I, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in her. As, as as anything i think she's a nice lady mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure she you know i'm sure she would be lovely to invite to tea and talk about libertarian <laughs> theories i guess but i don't want her as president as far as uh just me being completely blatantly honest and frank about the situation libertarians don't have a chance to win this election in hell so it really doesn't matter. The whole point of Joe Jorgensen was because Joe Biden was nominated for the Democrats. And we thought, okay, maybe if we nominate a woman, not we, not me. I actually don't take any part in what those people did. Uh, 
because I interviewed on my show many, many qualified candidates for LP party president. And Joe was not even like a blip, but they said she did so well in the, the debates. I watched the debates. I just, I thought she was cordial. Um, well, I know for me, one of the things too was, I mean, I've seen the meme going around. I think Steffi Cole was the one that posted it of which one of these people would you want to leave your kids with? And it shows Trump in his angry scream face and Biden his demented face and Joe in the best possible light possible. And of course, nice propaganda and, there. Not and, only that, and, but and, and, I, I had to respond and, to that one honestly, though. And I said, and, you know how mice eat their children when they're threatened? She things about that one steffi cole is the nicest person on liberty twitter and i absolutely love her to her boyfriend is voting for trump okay i don't know if anybody if you like if you guys know or not like her she's dating austin peterson and he just came out for trump mm -hmm. so and yeah maybe i would leave my kids with joe i don't know i, I wouldn't leave my kids with any of them yeah anybody and who would seek power <laughs> I, yeah i'm like well, I, of the three no, of them i think I think Trump would be the one like, okay, why why did you give me a kid and then hands it to somebody else who would be responsible with the kid? And who would just be just like you did with all three yeah. of his? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Joe like, Biden would take this. I, I've got other shit to do. I mean, the only way that I could get a kid back from Joe Biden is if we put him out like like a hound dog and sniffed for them because it would get lost immediately. So it would be like, I know that you have dementia, Joe but also do you remember the smell like because that's all that it would be like yeah oh. so but so if joe's gonna be the best babysitter and that to me is the worst the worst oh my gosh why did you make me angry at uh why ed worst possible thing that uh. you could even pick for a libertarian is someone that wants that's a good babysitter mm -hmm. like really well, that's the worst completely honest, um... possible pick well, to be completely honest, um, the president of the United States, I don't really care about their child rearing skills because they're the ones who have to launch <laughs> yeah. the nukes if everything goes to mm -hmm. hell. Yep. Mm -hmm. Parenting skills yeah. are kind of secondary. I mean, maybe Joe Biden will pick Corn Pop to be the Department of Education head. Has anybody checked to see if Corn Pop is actually still alive? Assuming Corn Pop <laughs> even exists. Well, yeah, there's that too. But I mean, this was the 50s or whatever the hell it was. There are a lot of people in the silent generation that haven't made it to 79 years old. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we have here? Um, watching trains go up. Uh, uh, Saint says, Brit, I don't have any explosives. That, yeah, I think what, yeah, that's my answer. I think he was responding like, <laughs> yeah, California yeah. says this, and uh, Brit says, I don't have. Yeah, anything that California asks for, I tell them I don't have. Like the census lady came to my door. And I was like, hey, you don't have your mask on and you're not six feet away. So, like, like if that's going to be their role, then that's what's going to get them off my front porch. Like, don't ask me questions. I, I'm not telling you anything. I got to ask on the comparative side. I know, I mean, you get a gun in a cereal box where Seawall lives. And we've been touching them since we we're 10 years old where I live. Um, Florida, well, correction, I think you get an assault rifle in the cereal box? Thank you I don't very know, much. you live there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> isn't that crazy on opposite ends of California? Because I have the rare opportunity to ask two people who are on opposite ends of the state. Uh, like, how hard is it to get a gun? Well, is or... it? Is, I mean, is it as crazy in the Bay Area as it is in Los Angeles? 
as, as, as far as the attitude, no. I mean, I'm in a very safe area. I haven't seen any protests or any groups of people anywhere. Um, when I go to church, I do have we do have to park behind the building. So the police driving by, I don't see cars in the parking lot, which is pretty scummy, I think. But um, it's, I mean, to go I to church. Huh? Yeah, what? A speakeasy to go to church. Yeah, pretty much. Like, you got to sneak in to go to church. And I was in downtown Mountain View, and I saw, like, a big monument to George Floyd, like, with flowers and stuff. And But uh, other than that, I don't really. I saw a guy in downtown Mountain View wearing a MAGA cap. <laughs> like, it's like this young white kid, like, with all of his friends just walking around like he didn't give a crap. And I'm like, he's lucky he has all those friends around him for protection. He had some balls. But I think the attitude here is, like, you know, people just want to be outside and enjoy being outside, not start trouble. I don't know what it's like in LA though. LA is crappy. Um, well, okay. So here's the thing in LA a couple of weeks ago, people in with trucks and Trump flags drove down Ventura Boulevard, which I used to live right South of Ventura Boulevard for many, many years, super, super liberal area. Um, somebody shot at them like, because the, the reaction to somebody checks notes, waves a flag you don't like, is to shoot at them in L.A. And with ammunition that you can barely get with, anyway. With, yeah, I was like, and they claim the right wingers are the dangerous that. ones that, yeah. are, that yeah. want to hunt people down. In order. Yeah. But to buy a gun here, I wouldn't know. I don't own guns. I don't I don't have any of them. <laughs> I don't even I couldn't even tell you what one looked like. But I've heard that you go in with two forms of ID, you fill out the test, and you can buy one gun every 10 days, unless you know a guy, and then you can buy them both on the same day, and we just don't say anything about it. I'm not, but it just- <laughs> That's never happened very, before, though. Never happened in the history of anything. And I mean, it's not that difficult to buy a gun. The problem that we're having in Los Angeles right now is trying to get ammunition. For mm -hmm. some reason, it's always sold out and unless uh, your neighborhood, your friendly neighborhood gun supplier is willing to sell you uh, law enforcement ammunition, which they absolutely are not willing to, I promise you, uh, and you should not ask when you go to your neighborhood friendly gunsmith or dealer if they will sell you law enforcement ammunition because they are out of regular ammunition, uh, then it's just hard to get at this point. That, that whole sequence yeah. right there is going to get lost on the audio platform. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, what about America's Swampland over there? That's to you, here. Kevin. Oh, here in Florida. Yeah, uh, it's pretty easy to get one. Um, you just you just uh, you go into a store. You have to wait three days if you don't basically reserve it online before they actually give it to you. Um, but it's basically walk in form of ID and that's it. So Florida's awesome. <laughs> that's actually how it even is better. Too, so. We have cash and carry laws. Florida's Where? like, can I get a Slurpee and a gun? Is that... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what flavor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like I know you have to wait three days, but I'm mad now. Like, all right, go well, ahead. What's a waiting period? I've never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. This mystical thing. Well, okay. Technically speaking, I believe in Texas, pistols have a very short waiting period. But there's a something called cash and carry. If you basically can have the money to put down the gun same day, as long as it's, as long as it's a long gun of some sort, they're gonna let you walk with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and obviously pass the federal background check stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have in the, the thing is that system's half the time down. So that's always annoying. Um, but they said, but also Texas, I think, um, I don't know if it's tied somehow in the federalism agreement was made, but if you have a concealed carry license in Texas, even if that system is down, as long as they can verify you have a CC, they'll let you cash and carry, even if the federal system's down. Well, yeah, you've had to go through the process to get your, uh, exactly. uh, CC. Like, it's, so it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like TSA pre-approval, but for guns, um, watching trains go by asked an interesting question. Uh, nobody thinking about Ted Cruz. I know Harvey said that I she was. is. Yeah. yeah. He's too uh, useful in the Senate right now. Yeah. yeah and it, he's too useful in the Senate, he said. Mm. You had one, uh, Kevin? Oh, I was just going to say, floating him, you know, it, the... I think I think the moderates really don't like his uh, you know a lot of his social positions um, from 2016 that he floated. So uh, I, it might not be the he would be a good pick after like if it was 2021. But I don't think he's a good pick right now. If that makes any sense, that makes perfect sense. That's why I said it would probably be best if he waited till after the election to pick somebody. Yeah. Well, one of the things that got me, too, is I, on Contemporary, I read the list of the senators that were supposed to be on the shortlist just a few days before Ginsburg died and watching trains go by, had his tinfoil on about that one. But, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he said, uh, Holly, Cruz, and Cotton. And Holly said absolutely not, which I'm actually okay with because I don't think he's got the political experience on the Beltway to be in the Supreme Court just yet. Cruz said maybe... Which, I mean, I would be okay with Cruz in the Supreme Court. I'd rather him not be, but I'd be okay with it. And Tom Cotton was, like, all for the idea, which is, like, the person I don't want to be a Supreme Court justice. A uh, bit of an out-of-left-field one, but what about uh, Rand? Oh, baby Rand. Baby yeah. Rand. Well, what I'm hoping <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> if if Trump, If Republicans can make, a, can make gains in the Senate somehow, I know it's, a, a, it's not a favorable map to them, but if they can make some gains... And if enough of that, those gains can be attributed to Trump, I'm hoping he basically flexes his muscles, gets McConnell to step aside as head of the Senate and get Rand put as head of the Senate as a way to prep the nation for Rand 2024. That's an interesting idea. Well, yeah, because what I was hoping is Trump basically would have convinced Pence to step aside as VP and he would have brought Rand on board as VP and basically done a kingmaker. My biggest fear for Trump and the parallels of his presidency to the Reagan presidency, because nobody can argue there are a lot of parallels between the two presidencies, is are we going to get another fucking Bush in 2024? Via Pence. We're getting robot Reagan. I am scared to death of having another fucking Bush in office. Another, like, Bush family member or just another Bush-like person? Bush like because the Bush family is basically just, toast politically. You just scared yeah. the shit out of me by saying an actual another Bush. Look, Jeb yeah, fooled himself yeah. in 2016. No, uh, Bush, Trump like stomped on him so hard. Actual burning Bush that gave like the Ten Commandments. There will not be another Bush in office for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, also, think... imagine if somebody someday, because I think Bush is a common enough last name that there might be somebody else that runs someday and says, uh, you know, vote Bush. No relation. They'll Done. put a C in it, like the beer. 
Bush. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Bush. Oh, wait, I think he is one of them, isn't he? I don't, I don't know. know. I couldn't tell you. I don't know enough about him. Uh, I want to go on this tinfoil here that Washington Trains go by put up here. He says, I'm wondering if that's why Trump put out the list like he did when he did. There was someone on that list that the left liked, so they opened the door for this. What if Trump knew slash suspected he was, uh, she was about to die or was already dead, releases a name they would like, so they defrosted her, announced that she was dead finally, sorry, and he suckered them into admitting it. That goes uh, a little too tinfoil for me. A little too tinfoil. I mean, everybody knew she was going to kick the bucket any day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was not like a... The this wasn't like a surprise. They knew she was going to pass away. I don't think that... I think it's... Like, that's just beyond anything that I would even entertain. Look, I think the seed of truth where all these conspiracies goes back to is they kept saying, oh, she's in remission of cancer. I think she was never in remission. They were just lying about that because that's an easy okay. thing to lie about. And with yeah. various medications, you can hide the fact that she's uh, suffering with this. Absolutely. I mean, doesn't uh, I think she was never in remission? I think they just I think they just stabilized her, and that was about it. Yeah. We gotta catch up with some of these questions. In we got some good ones in here. Go ahead, Britt. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. She was in and out of the hospital. I yeah. mean, so didn't she yeah. like something? Well, she, she's had an infection. She had a chunk of her lung cut out because of, you know, cancer growths. Uh, she's had cancer treatment. She's been in and out of remission back and forth over the past couple of years. She... Can I just say there was something? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, I'm pointing to you. Go ahead. Oh, um, there was something that I felt was really disturbing. And I know that I can be biased, but there seemed to be an undertone on leftist Twitter of people that were upset. That this woman who had literally given her whole life to the people, and again, I've stated before, I don't agree with her, um, but, and this woman suffering and going through, like, a laundry list of medical issues, and people being upset that she didn't hold on longer. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, sick. Look, she should have retired in 2017. People that were celebrating her death. Like, I'm not celebrating her death. Actually, whenever I, I prayed this morning, I actually did pray for her and her soul. And, mm -hmm. you know, you should have respect for your adversaries even. And you shouldn't celebrate that they're dead. Like, geez. Yeah, I, I thought both sides of that was really just sick. I mean, the people that were excited about it and couldn't. I mean, and I made a, some I made a controversial comment about it, but it was to somebody else that had said something about burning down a building but i mean it just the discourse was just vile and i just thought people don't deserve like anyone on there you you, you people need a babysitter mm -hmm. like, <laughs> i'm a libertarian <laughs> mm -hmm. well i think my position of what they were trying to push ginsburg through is basically what they're doing to poor old joe i i i don't I, I don't hate Joe. I just feel bad for the poor guy at this point. Please g give him his wheelchair. Give him his nice little co comfy corner in his house and give him his Let blanket. Him and just, day. Yeah. Well, and then, let, yeah. You know, just sit him in his wheelchair with a blanket and put him in, put him in a nice little sunroom and let him rest the poor, the poor guy. Yeah. And you just let see Jill Biden out there. Like she can't wait to be first lady. Like she is just like, just, I mean, 
I feel like she's the major driving force behind this. Oh, and if some and, and if they, him. and if they have to somehow if they have to somehow pull Joe at the last second because the thing is, I've got a feeling he's going to have a gaff so bad there is no recovery. Like he thinks it's the 1960s again and starts using certain colorful language. Well, okay, oh. okay. Let me yeah. something that no that everybody missed, and so I didn't say anything because I thought maybe my translation's wrong. But when he played the like Despacito song a it's couple so days ago, oh, yeah. that song literally translates to slowly. And they were hashtagging Despacito Joe. As if, <laughs> and I was like, no, bitch. Like, really? Like, really? And I was just like, I got to say something. I got to say something. I got to say something. I was like, no, don't say it because they're going to call you a racist. Don't say it. They're going to call you a racist. And then, but like, I just had to bring it up. Like, why? Why would you play that song? I know that the guy that wrote the song like introduced you, but like that's the worst choice. <laughs> and I and I was pissed that Trump didn't pick up on that. So I got a question here in the chat on Trump's list came, uh, that came out. Is there anyone that you think both sides would confirm if time and who potentially gets that pick was a factor? And that's actually an interesting question, giving given the fact that they had to change the filibuster to get Kavanaugh through and Kagan and so many other people because well, I pointed it was already out in the monologue before that point or for Kagan. I mean, though, yeah. um, I pointed out yeah. in the monologue, Ginsburg was, um, confirmed 96 to three. Yeah. We're never going to see numbers like that again. I don't think unless you guys think otherwise possibly. Well, no, I think it's too polarized now. They're the person that said, I'm not going to vote yes because Trump picked them. That's what yeah. a lot of people are yeah. going to think. Yeah, basically, Orange Man Bad. Look, as I said, Trump could pick Garland, and you would see basically, you know, them coming out with pitchforks and torches. Trump could tomorrow say that the Klan is a bad organization, and you'd suddenly see Democrats bringing out their white hoods <laughs> in solidarity. There's one person. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're up. You haven't said anything throughout this. No, so I, I was just going to say there's one person that it'll never happen, but there's one person that maybe the left would give some concessions on and so would the right what? and that would be Mitt Romney. That's the only person <laughs> oh, I think God. that that would that would sat kind of satisfy both sides. Look, Mitt look, I, I I don't like Romney. If if Trump could appoint him to another position in the government to get him out of the Senate, I'd be glad. But give him something like, you know, the undersecretary of some random department like undersecretary of, uh, of undersecretary of the department of the forestry or whatever basically just give him a dead-end position to get him out of the senate he just went on uh, just cnn just said that he trump said it's going to be a woman that he picks for the next scotus that he nominates got it so he so, so he is uh he's might be going down the riskier strategy but mitigating the risk yeah so it's either going to be amy or it's going to be uh barbara lagoa i could be a wild my card guess is, huh could be a wild card you know what who's the one that ran with um when kavanaugh was running joan uh, i can't remember her name joan something i'll look her up all right but she, i mean she might be a pick because trump kind of sometimes picks wild cards i mean i don't know how she would do but you think he could pick christine blasey ford god <laughs> <laughs> I think Barrett isn't she like I mean she's a Catholic she's mom with like 10 more, kids yeah she's like fairly 
more right than, than yeah. Yeah, she was. She yeah. She's also a staunch constitutionalist, but the problem is that a lot of people don't understand that the constitutionalist is what we should be caring about in the courts more than quote unquote being a moderate. All right. Look, the thing is, it, yeah, it just kind of yeah. to go into the history of the courts. The several things that have happened, the left in the U.S. said we will never go to the courts for this uh, to get this solved. One was abortion. The other was um, was gay marriage. The the Democrats and the left promised we will never go to the courts to get nationwide um, uh, gay marriage. That we'll do it through the legislator. But the problem is they are they are basically they they okay. The left has set themselves up for a pretty nasty failure because how much of the court system has Trump rebuilt? Basically, he's gotten some. He's had, I think, the most appointments of any president at this point mm -hmm. to the various court of appeals. Hell, the yeah. Ninth Circuit just shot down a magazine ban. So it's like, wait, wait, yeah. wait. When did the Ninth Circus get something right? Um, I've got one here. If the writing stays at the same level and nothing extraordinary happens there, does this become the lead for the next 40 days or does it go away in a few days? No, we've seen if Trump wins, this intensity is just going to keep kicking up. We've, we've not seen any, any Until insurrection intensity in the last four years. It's just going to keep ramping up. So I, I don't see that I, I don't see it slowing down any time at all. And Kamala Harris all but promised it. So yeah. Well, I mean, there are two things that I worry about. One is so much uh, civil unrest and civil conflict that we do enter a civil war scenario. But the thing is, it's not going to be, you know, the right versus left. It's going to be, you know, the far left in the coasts versus the U.S. military, the right, regular people, the police. There won't be a left wing in the U.S. when this is done. It will. We will be a hardcore right wing nation when that's done. Oh, no, I like that. Yeah, we, no, I don't either. Yeah, yeah, we think that what we're seeing now is a playbook for cultural Marxism. Oh, did yeah. we? I lose you guys. No, I'm still here. No, you're still okay, here. Um, I mean, we're basically seeing a playbook for cultural Marxism: divide the people, create the appearance of popular support for a movement or cause, neutralize the opposition, participate mm -hmm. in mob violence, which is where we're at now, then create the semblance of a revolution, which will come in 46 days, and then expulsion of landlords and seizure of their land. And that's well, kind of where yeah. we're at. And you're already seeing it with, I mean, if you go on Twitter, or go on, we're already seeing the calls for, you know, eat landlords. And mm -hmm. they yeah, don't but the problem is numbers. they don't have the numbers nor the uh, nor the, the, the uh, backing to be the successful thing. they don't they will be contained in the cities and they will be starved out it's never been but here's the thing when you participate in mob violence and you create the semblance of a revolution that that never happened with popular support what's always happened and you see it over and over and over again when yeah. when communism takes over is the screams of police brutality which then starts to garner support. So they don't actually but have the, to have But the problem is support. the public support is now against them. The public support on the right is against them. They still- No, even among moderates. Among I moderates and right wing. I would not just- it's, 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 it, Look, we are, we are at game set, we're at game set and match. The best option for the left right now is to surrender. It's the only way it survives. Yeah, that is the best option for it's them. The only right way now. it survives and has any political power in this nation is immediate surrender. But what we're talking about is over the next four years, if this is going to continue. 
Yeah. And this is going to continue over the next four years. The other thing I worry about is Presidential Directive 51, and I'm assuming you libertarians in here know what I, that is. Remind me. I didn't hear what you said. Presidential it's Directive 51. Presidential Directive 51, put in place by your favorite president, W, and then strengthened by your second favorite president, Obama. What it base, The short version is what it does is as long as the U.S. is in some sort of national emergency— the president can declare presidential uh, presidential directive 51 goes into effect to continue uh, to maintain the continuance of the U.S. government. What he does at that point is he points. I, I can't remember what the name of the position is, but basically um, somebody that is sent. Uh, he appoints people. One goes to the justices. One goes to the um, one goes to the legislator. And they're now in command of the of the justice branch, the judicial branch and the legislative branch. <clears throat> Basically, it's the president has seized direct control of the nation. Isn't yes. that the plot of Attack of the Clones? <laughs> I was just thinking that emergency powers. Yeah, it's emergency powers from um from it's it's emergency powers. It, well, it's existed in multiple stories. Mm -hmm. So here's the here's the other rub to this cultural Marxism theory, which is is not a theory that's been shown over and over. What the left was hoping for, which again, like I've seen you, you, I understand you saying moderates are seeing this, they don't like it. And polling has showed that they don't like it. Yeah. Um, they are still banking on Joe Biden winning and going through with this because the end game is exactly what you said, a very authoritarian regime. However, if the authoritarian regime that comes down is under the Biden, or I'm sorry, the Harris administration, then it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. What they don't want is it to happen under a Trump administration. However, the long game of this is it will continue over the next four years because they will not, they will find another way. And hopefully at that, I'm hoping that people will wake up and be like, you know what, the Democratic Party is dead. Um, but I think what they're hoping is that they can continue to push this, this is Trump's America BS, and then have somebody, you know, that they can come in and, uh basically take over knowing that you know we had eight years of a republican president and now it's time for a democrat i think that that's the long game in all of this and i think joe biden's pick was actually more than just like throwing a mondale i think that people actually i think that we know in this country that over 45s vote a lot more mm -hmm. than any other demographic yeah. And that they knew that all of this was coming. They knew that all of this was getting ramped up. And they knew that over 45 or over 50 specifically would deny that any of it was happening within that in their party because they couldn't possibly imagine sweet old Joe being the, you know, uh, the orchestrator of all this or behind all this. Well, it's not him. It's his handlers. It's the people that are handling Joe that are behind a lot of this. Well, yeah, they are. But I mean... Joe Biden Joe's a puppet. Joe. He's a literal puppet at this point. Joe's a puppet, but Joe also has been in. Uh, it, Joe Biden has also been in politics for what forty years, forty something years. I think it's uh, more than he that. He knew the game. Forty-seven. Yeah. yeah. Forty-seven. Very years. long time. I mean, I Joe knew the game. Joe's done. Joe's done nothing except. Everything that Joe talks about in his speeches is literally the opposite of what he's done the whole time he's been in politics. Yeah. So and that is something Trump will bring up in debates too. 
or he better. Assu- I really... Assuming that Joe even shows up. No, a theory my uh, a theory Joe my dad has is what's going to happen the night before the debate. Um, there's going to be a press release from the Joe Biden campaign that, oh, unfortunately, one of Joe Biden's staffers tested positive for COVID, so we're going to have to cancel this whole thing last minute. Yep. In the Basically, the public safety of, yeah. in an empty room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't want to get we don't want it we don't want it to spread to President Trump. True. Well, and also keep in mind this is the same camp that uh, panned the cameras out and didn't turn them off while Joe Biden leaned down and whispered, uh, whispered in Anderson Cooper's ears on Thursday. What? Yeah, when they uh, when Biden did his town hall Thursday night, they were panning the cameras out, and I guess Anderson and uh, uh, Joe thought that the cameras were off because they were staying on the opposite ends of the stage because of social distancing. And as they were panning out, Joe walked over to uh, walked over to Anderson and whispered in his ear. Yeah. Hmm. No masks. Wonder what no he nothing. said. Yeah, yeah. We Did all wonder what he heroin? said. But... No masks. No nothing. He just walked right up. Are to you him. corn pop? I think that's what he said. <laughs> you know. You lion dog faced pony show. You know. all right. Los Angeles, all of a sudden, uh. is getting ready to ramp up in the next couple of weeks for. Uh, loosening social distancing requirements and lockdown requirements right in time for campaigning. Oh, I mean, I'm they're... pretty sure that the lockdowns are done at this point because nobody's going to remember coronavirus now that Ginsburg's dead. No. Well, I know, not... ain't that nuts? Well, He's not only that, but uh, and... he, uh, a federal judge in uh, Pennsylvania is like, yeah, no, this is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So the crowbar has been put in place. Yep. The thing that I worried about is because they o- they overplayed their hand with this, and they continue the lockdowns, this tool will forever be taken away from the government when this is all said and done. The government will never be able to order a lockdown like this again. Good. And when oh. we get, you know, and when we do get a situation where we, you know, where it's like flu infectivity, half the people that get it die when it's legitimate. Yes. Okay. That's we need to close down. Explosive no. bleeding. We lose that tool forever. Here. Um, we were in mid uh, topic here, but I want to move on here just to grab a question that uh, came in out of the chat here from Retro Ming that I completely floated over when I uh, grabbed uh, watching trains go by. Would it be an effective strategy for the Republicans to fire back by calling the Dems hypocritical too? After all, they did say that we shouldn't wait when the shoe was on the other foot, and I apologize for missing that retro. So, I mean, go ahead. I feel like Kaylee McEnany like calls them out all the time on hypocrisy and shit like that, and they still say, "Well, no." She's like, "What does she know? She's an idiot." That's all they say. It doesn't work. You, would you, need you say it to their face. You would need an unbiased media to pull that off. I mean, let's think about the last time we called someone out on hypocrisy was Nancy Pelosi. Um, you know, specifically when it comes to the coronavirus. And what did Nancy Pelosi do? She turned around and... Uh, she tried to put that poor woman out of business. It advocated. She, poor woman out of she did put... Yeah, she, she did. did. Her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she's suing her for slander. Exactly. And so, um, under Nancy current Pelosi precedent, a politician legally can't slander a person. And, and they cheer. They say, you know, Nancy Pelosi, you know... Was set up. And yeah. a lot of people say, like, no, I mean, Nancy was wearing a mask the entire time. All they did was put that one little snippet of her not wearing a mask because she's a shady salon also, owner. Um, guys, yeah. did you find it a little surprising that Nancy Pelosi's salon has a better camera than Jeffrey Epstein's cell? Harvey, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you should know all about that. That's got to be somewhere at least within 
a stone's throw your neck of the woods. Yeah, I know. Well, here, um, stuff is starting to open up. We are getting a lot more lax. People are still like face mask zombies over here, but uh, malls are opening up, stores are opening up. They might start allowing, um, in San Francisco, they might start allowing indoor dining. Like at the earliest, they say the end of the month. Hold on. Wait, you and guys still can't indoor dining? I, we've been doing that for like two months here in Texas. Just yeah. with limited Yeah, no, capacity. I was I was at Texas in June for Father's Day, and uh, yeah. they had indoor dining. But no, that was normal. When you leave California, nobody gives a crap. It's only oh. coastal cities that are insane. Well, yeah, and also the thing is, look, in Texas, HEB is the is the big grocery store. You probably know this, Harvey. Yeah, uh, bees are everywhere. They have a they they have a they still are doing the whole face mask thing, but they're not you know boot to throwing. They're saying, hey, would you please kindly wear a mask? And it's kind of the Texas polite thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, I wear it mask. for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's not doing it via boot to throw. It's doing it with kind words and would you uh, would you please? Mm-hmm. I found the best mask in the world because I love irony. <laughs> <laughs> Governor Evers' mask order is treading on me, so I found one that said don't tread on me. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to throw another question up here quick, and then I'm going to pull the earbuds off and take my mask back off because I can't see crap through my glasses right now. Um, Jason Rushing says, why does RBG's death matter in light of the election? The next president was going to pick her replacement regardless. She was never going to make it another four years. And I'll be right back with you guys. Um, it's, 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 it's because it happened right before the election. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's purely Time. timing. It's purely timing. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, and I think it's pretty, it's kind of telling of the Trump campaign that maybe they're not as uh, steady as they, you know, as they try and espouse to everyone that maybe they're not as sure of themselves winning this this time. I mean, Trump in 2016 was a force. Trump in 2020 is like, well, we'll see what happens. I don't get that vibe at all. <laughs> No, I, I, uh, well, here's the thing. Everybody said when Trump said, we'll see what happened. They took that as Trump saying he's not going to leave the White House, to which I laughed. And I was like, I bet you guys want evictions now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I took it as like, maybe he is not as gung ho about this as he was in 2016. Maybe maybe it was just a moment of him being like, I don't know, maybe that wouldn't be so bad. It, you know, it was just a take. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know oh, what he was thinking. Also, but you're talking about a man who is basically being said that you're, you're not only as bad as a certain Austrian leading Germany in the 30s and 40s, but you're worse than him. And he has that shot at him every single day. At some point, you're going to have a moment where you doubt yourself. I agree with you. And, and the question is, is he constantly doubting himself or is that just a one-off situation where he was tired, stressed, and, you know, it, it, the darker elements within him got a little bit more uh, forward than they normally would. I, I don't think, and I should clarify if I said that, I don't think he was doubting himself. I think he was doubting whether he maybe wanted to continue doing this, which I think are two very different things. I mean, at some point, I, I wouldn't want to do that. And again, it goes back to, like, literally Vladimir Lenin saying, like, if people, if, if you're argument isn't working resort to calling people fascists and nazis and anything that has a bad smell to it i mean and that's all they've done for four years and they've basically immunized people against it. it's one of the things that i fear because they have basically pushed anyone that is even even tim pool who is a 
left-wing libertarian, he's a center left-wing libertarian that I disagree with on a lot of issues, they call him a jackboot fascist. Yeah. That, that wants to see certain groups just, you know, exterminated from existence. I mean, they're calling oh, they're, Bill They're Barr. pushing everyone they're they're pushing everyone into that camp so that yeah. it, you know they keep pushing this look one of the scenarios that i am not predicting but i'm saying is possible the u.s is actually in a very precarious situation very similar to the roman republic we there is a chance with presidential director 51 that trump becomes our caesar and god forbid he gets ex that he gets assassinated because then we go from the united states of america to the american empire Oh, geez. And do, do you think the rest of the world is going to have a fun time if America goes full-on Roman Empire and we just start taking what we want? Well, they already started calling him God Emperor Trump. <laughs> that, that, that's more <laughs> the mean. You mean out in public, not behind the scenes? You, well, out, what I mean, out in, pub, what, mean well, out oh, in no. public. Remember, Caesar was never an emperor. He was a dictator for a short time in Rome. The first Roman emperor was Augustus Caesar. I think it was it was his son or his nephew. I can't remember which one he was. But basically, the the assassination of a populist dictator is what killed the Roman Republic. If Trump seizes control through Directive Fifty One and he's popular for doing it because he's bringing stability, and then and then he's assassinated, then people will clamor for the charismatic emperor to take over. Mm -hmm. The Constitution dies for good. The Senate becomes more of an advisory board. And we enter into basically about 100 years of the world being completely dominated by the U.S. Overtly, not subtly, overtly. I got, I, I got to ask, just because I know that there are four video gamers, at least in this uh, little circle here, is if we do mm -hmm. go back into the Roman times, does that mean that Everybody's going to be wearing red sports equipment and helmets and speaking in crappy Latin. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm more thinking M1 Abrams tanks uh, driving south across the border to seize uh, to seize land and raw resources. Truth to Kaisar. No talking about. What's that? I said I have no clue what you people are talking about. One of the yeah. factions in Fallout New uh, Vegas is uh, yeah. Caesar's Legion, and that's yeah. how they dress yeah. is in red sports equipment, essentially. Yeah. I, I would have to consult my six-year-old to. They're yeah. like costumes, yeah. But I gave New Vegas their independence because you know <laughs> I wanted to be the queen of Vegas. <laughs> um, I've got a comment here. Uh, watching trains go by says Ivanka will be president in 2024. Count on it if no. Trump wins 2020. No. Take it to Please the bank. Don't. After Trump and the battling that comes, America is going to want a softer touch to bridge the divide. I'm going to come out and say hell no, and I've already heard one uh, one confirmation of that. Anybody else want to say hell no? I think Eric Trump has a better chance of winning than Ivanka Trump. Or Don Jr. No, well, no, I mean, yeah, Don Jr. does, but I, I was being facetious. I mean, it's, he's, Ivanka's not going to win because we're so divided that she she is like a Rand Paul that it's like, she she might actually bridge a gap and nobody wants that they will literally both sides will literally burn that bridge um saint says she's been in treatment so long chemotherapeutics have replaced her blood rgb Sorry to hear that. yeah yeah 
Um, watching trains go by says that's a good point about not caring about our pain. I won't lie. I celebrated, but if people celebrate uh, when Trump dies, I won't be disgusted either side. If you truthfully think about it, someone is evil. It is natural. Um, and Saint asked, I'm guessing he asked back to watching trains go by, so do you celebrate the death of your enemies, celebrating their passing and mourn the loss of an opponent? Um, watching trains go by, it says, and Trump apparently reaffirmed that directive in some form because the, uh, or in the first omnibus bill that he signed. I never got into, or into it to check because he signed it so fast. Um, I don't believe that was in the omnibus, and I read a good two-thirds of it before he got it passed. And I did not see the reaffirmation of that directive in there in the first two-thirds. Um, Elva Man says, hey, everyone. Uh, watching trains go by Hi. says, hey, EM. Uh, Saint says, stop describing your wet dream seawall. <laughs> I'm describing a possible outcome <laughs> based on historical precedent. Another one is... Um, basically, we would balkanize and become multiple nations. I think that's actually more likely right now. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I would say probably... less because the cities are so reliant on the flyover states without even realizing it that they would they would collapse in less than a generation and then be reabsorbed. Maybe, Maybe with we... significantly less power because you know the. The other states will go, wait, last time we gave you any say, you kind of broke everything. Yeah. So you are residents, not citizens. Uh, Kevin, you had something for Harvey there? Uh, no, I was just saying, I, I think uh, Harvey and Britt would be in the non-United States part of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was so, I, I really, I had um, the Free State Project on, uh, Jeremy from the Free State Project on my show a couple weeks ago. And I was like, man, is there any way we can get them to go from New Hampshire to California? Because I really, I really don't want to leave California. I just want everyone, well, every one of these communists well, to leave California. Well, also, the thing yeah. is, the only areas that would want to break off is a very ge geographically small areas of the West Coast and yes. the Northeast. And do you think that most of California is going to, the geographic, geographic California wants to leave the U.S.? No. <clears throat> Northern California is going to want to stay with the U.S. Central Valley region is going to want to stay. San Diego and Southern California is going to want to stay. Just the Central Coast Strip will be the only part that would uh, would leave. Uh, yeah, and I've, I've always kind of had the theory, and Harvey, I don't know, you might have a take on this. I think most people that were born and raised in California tend to be libertarian or even right, but we have a sleeping majority in this state. And I think people don't even realize it. I, I think yeah. Republicans in the state do not care. They just think that they've lost. I think that most of the radical left-wing politics that have come is because of the Newsom and the Pelosi family and that they are, they court celebrity and they court uh, the media. And it just seems to be that illusion of uh, like the, the, the illusion that there's a semblance that everyone in California is a liberal. And they'll even say, like, when you talk among circles, or and Mara Wilson mentioned this, a child actress who has no relevance in 2020. Uh, she said, oh, you've never met a California liberal or a California conservative. Like, you think they don't exist, but they do, and they're bitter, and they're this, and they're blah. It's like they're, like, disaffected at this point. And I'm hoping that they wake up soon because... Um, really, uh, guys. 
Well, I was born and raised in Texas, actually. <laughs> I moved to California when I got with my husband. But um, actually, uh, I think it is already happening. If you, I drove down to Southern California, you know, a couple weeks ago for Labor Day, and I saw more flags for Trump. I, I've seen in a total of two paraphernalias in support of Biden Harris. I've seen a lot more flags for Trump. I've, I saw here in Texas. I've seen one Biden supporting location there were six or seven trump flags within like a few minutes of driving past that place too so yes and i remind people subtly that reagan came from california born yeah. and raised i think he was born and raised i know he got married here well, but i mean so it's there's there's i think there's a lot of conservatives in california also reagan I was born in illinois yeah, he was born, but raised, okay. in California. raised in California, right? Yeah, I know he got married out here and ran out here, but yeah. Um, and there's a lot of conservatives, I think, that are even in media and celebrity. I won't name any names, but I mean, a lot of people say that they're throwing their support behind someone and they're getting paid to say that. And yeah. they're not necessarily doing that at the at the voting booth this year. Well, I, I think people are also becoming increasingly disillusioned with celebrities in general. Yeah. And you, you see the sentiment on YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. like comments like saying, why do we care what you think? How dare you Island lecture trend. us on how to live? Or, you know, what's right and what's wrong? You, you make your living reading what somebody else wrote, pretty mm -hmm. much. Well, not only that, but um, how many celebrities have been caught up in some pretty sketchy things, you know, at the Epstein Island? For one, how many of those celebrity names got put on that list? Yeah. I mean, a lot of politicians are on that list, too. But, yeah. again, yeah. politicians think that they're – politicians have become celebrities. I mean, it's all become sport. Yeah. So. Not only that, but um, you guys have heard about the – was it? I think it's the Interstate Popular Vote Compact that has kind of cropped up in recent years. Mm -hmm. It's an attempt to try to turn the U.S. In, from, a, um, uh, from using the Electoral College – to a popular vote for the presidency. Yes. Uh, the, the argument I make is that that is the fastest way to make California go red because I argue there are far more blue state Republicans that don't vote than red state Democrats that don't. Mm -hmm. That what would happen is you would not have another Democratic president in this nation ever. Yeah. There, there wouldn't be another one. It would be Republican after Republican after Republican. Oh, then they'd start doing everything that they could to uh, try and get it repealed. Well, mm -hmm. here's the problem. They, I think they put it so you can't to get out of the compact once you sign up for it. That that could be. Um, we're going to start wrapping this up here uh, just a bit. I want to catch a couple more here. Um, looks like uh, watching trains go by says cosplay and LARPing go mainstream. That's probably on our Caesars Legion comment going on over there. <laughs> Elephant Man says Thomas Massey for 2024. Just a quick take on that for you guys. Anybody? One more time. Thomas Massey, uh, 2024. Thomas Massey, Justin Amash, uh, Rand Paul have done more for liberty in this country than anybody that's ran for president in the last 15 years. So yeah. uh, I would I would absolutely vote for Thomas Massey. He's not going to run. All right. Uh, watching trains go by says 2024 will be Ivanka versus some other woman. Originally, I wanted Don Jr. or Eric. I think Eric might actually be the smartest in the family, but I think it will be two women running, whoever they are. 
Um, and uh, Britt, your neighbor just popped on here at the very end here and said uh, hi to us and everybody else on the round table. Uh, she says, from what I've been reading, I think momentum is picking up among Senate Republicans to push things through before the election. Well, okay, to be fair too, we're in the same neighborhood and we are in a, a purple district. It's red right now, but mm-hmm. it was blue for a second, but before that had been red for a long time. And so, but yeah, I see it too. I see it too. Hi, by the way, I miss you. <laughs> um, and watching trains go by, we'll get uh, last question and last word out of the chat here. So real quick on you guys. What do you guys think about Trump's 1776 speech two days ago? I think the message and timing were perfect politically. I have not faint ignorance all- on this one. I haven't seen anything about this. I have. <laughs> I think, oh, I was hoping Seawall had because I know he's going to fight me on this one. Huh. I haven't seen it, so I don't know anything about it. So this is a direct reaction to the Lincoln Project, the uh, critical race theory that is being pushed in school. You mean 1619? 1619 is critical race theory from the the Lincoln Project. So the 1776 speech uh, is basically where you're teaching American history and actual American history. Uh, What kind of happened in this country between the 1930s and 1950s? We learned a vastly different uh, history lesson in schools than we did starting in 1954 through the 1960s. And by the 1970s, really leftism had started taking hold in public schools, uh, in the public to prison pipeline. And what is what we have today is a super leftist, uh, basically common core, uh, lots of just really bad educational theories. We're not, I mean, two thirds of people don't even know that the Holocaust existed or believe that it was real. Um, You can pull people, a lot of people didn't even know who, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, I, I mean, it's crazy the things that were kind of taught and uh, what's been going on in schools. So this was Trump's answer to uh, to the Lincoln Project and the critical race theory. I am four square against this. I am four square against that. I am four square against uh, government education at all. So that's well, where I I'm pretty much in the same camp. I oh think my gosh. all the government. I'm thinking what? the only thing the government should do is vouchers. Just so, you know, you don't cause an obvious divide to form, you know, divide, uh, divide to form so that the poor never get education, the rich get all the education. I think that we should have some investment in education in the form of vouchers and maybe some accrediting here and there, but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, if you guys see behind me, like there's a whiteboard and the rug is of the states. I homeschool my children. I don't want them in state schools. Um, I I have, we get funding through our charter. So I pick their curriculum and what they're gonna learn throughout the year. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that. Like what Seawall said, I'm perfectly fine with vouchers for parents to do what they think is best for their children. My child actually has a disability um, and he was not, it wasn't being met in a public school setting. So, and a lot of children are falling through the cracks that way. And vouchers, the the only reason why the left would be against vouchers is because you could no longer control. It's, a, it's education. Well, also, they lose the teachers' unions. And because the only thing that vouchers do is help disenfranchised and minorities uh, mm-hmm. step up the ladder in a way that 
even affirmative action could never help them well, because yeah, now yeah, they yeah, have yeah. an education. Now they can get an education on par with any other student in the country, with any other student in the world, really. Well, and, well also um, the thing with the private, if you privatize the education system a little bit, it also allows in for private investment in the form of a trade school education becoming more prominent. There are, I would argue that I would say at least two thirds of college students should be in a trade school. Amen. They should, they shouldn't be in a college. The only people in college should be hardcore STEM fields and a couple of highly specialized individuals. Like obviously we need a hand and we need a certain number of art restorers to keep the old culture or art together, but that can be paid for by, you know, museums taking people who are naturally talented artists yeah, and saying, here's some money, go to the school to learn how to do this properly. A lot of this could be yeah. done under apprenticeship. Yeah. And app okay. apprenticeship and things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you don't learn how to hate America if you're an apprentice. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> you, you, I'm not saying you need to love America, but you do need to respect your home nation. Yeah. You well, do need to an extent be an, a, a patriot. If you, if you, well, if you think this nation is horrible, think, leave. I don't think that it's the. I, I, it is. It's the we hate America the way it is now. I yeah. think what the bigger issue, the underlying serious dangerous issue, is that the left is trying to fundamentally change America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, are, they, want, they want the United States of America and every good thing that has come with it, every accolade and all the power that comes with it. And they want to fundamentally change how it became the way that it is. And that mm -hmm. that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. Yeah. My yeah. husband was asking, like, how come all of the teacher or how why is it all like the public schools and all of the teachers that, that indoctrinated their kids to these left-leaning ideologies. And well, I said, I mean, you know, why? Because they all went to a university it? degree. And what does a school district require for a teacher? A university degree. They oh, all yeah. come from the same cloth. The well, same. Not, well, yeah, not only that, but one thing that I found kind of funny, um, did you guys ever see those articles coming out from teachers saying, I'm terrified that my uh, students' parents are secretly watching the lessons? Mm -hmm. It's like, look, mm -hmm. uh, wait, you as a teacher, you should be very glad that the parents want, are interested in what their kids are learning. Oh, no. yeah. I, I can play advocate of the double from that because my sister-in-law works for the school district and she says yeah. it's not necessarily because they're scared of what they're teaching. It's because the parents, some of them become super caring about it and they're like, well, you didn't explain this enough and how come you're not talking about That's this? This. Yeah, you, but you can I ignore I sat them. in a classroom every single week with my son when he was in a public school. And you know what? Good. Good if parents are finally waking up and saying, you didn't explain this. This doesn't make sense. Why are you teaching it this way? I, mm -hmm. There's a difference between well, saying. Why can't you teach it the way I was taught? Yeah. Uh, well, that, that's the, if I was a teacher, I'd say, then why are you bringing your kid here? That's what well, I would say. And this is the thing. Well, here in California, because we have no other fucking choice. Yeah, because what was literally, it? unions are on strike demanding just, all funding be pulled from private well, charters. Yeah. California just signed a bill like three and a half, four weeks ago that throws uh, any funds from going to a charter or a homeschool, like a yeah. private uh, charter homeschool. And they said that the funding has to stay at the public school, whatever it was last year. This is what it has to be, because there was a mass exodus in California, when COVID hit, parents saw that there was a huge educational gap, a huge gap in education for students. And that's why parents are sitting in. And that's why parents are doing their job 
thank God, finally, because parents haven't been doing their job since 1977 and letting their kids just be uh, raised by the state. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, isn't California trying to remove homeschooling as well? Yes. They're trying, they're like, yes. Long-term goal of a lot of left-wing groups is they want to make private school illegal, except the for their yeah. elites, except for the elites, because they'll get a special exemption. The elites always get an exemption. But Did if you, you are an upper-middle-class family that has some extra money, you should have the right to say, hey, I want to send my kid to this private school that better reflects my values and has a higher att- attainment rate. They thought when they closed these schools, what was going to happen where parents were going to go, oh, it's so hard to, to teach a kid. Thank God for teachers. Thank God. Let's let's send them all back and let's give teachers a raise. And parents were like, fuck that. These kids aren't learning shit. I can raise them off of YouTube and teach them all of this stuff. And then Teachers Union Los Angeles said we need to put a moratorium. Teachers Union Los Angeles put out a statement saying that they would not go back to work without a moratorium on charter schools. What the fuck, California? Wake up. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on your show, but I did. No, that's absolutely fine, but we do have to start wrapping up. California is a mess. They they need to get their shit together. California is 49th out of 50 for educational attainment. 49th out of 50. Trash bags. second worst state in the union. And finally, um, I think it's another left-wing state. Because <laughs> I think some of the best ones are actually right-wing states. All right, we guys, oh, we got to wrap this one up here, you guys. So uh, I'm going to play us out of here with some outro music here. I do want to thank everybody who came by and uh, chatted with us and uh, helped us come out and do this. We had some really good topics here. I'm going to see if I can do this a little bit more often because, like I said, this was actually what I originally intended Ed's World to be. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, looks like we had some, uh, good chat and, uh, some good chatter going on and there. It looks like this was a pretty popular idea. So I'm going to keep playing around with this idea in my head here for a little while and see what we can do with this. But I want to take the time to thank my panel here and direct you guys to go and check them out. Everybody's information, except for Seawalls, because he doesn't want to be found, <laughs> is in the description over on the YouTube. I we'll exist on up. Discord. What's that? <laughs> I exist on Discord. You can say hi to me there. Yeah, and uh, you can hit into my Discord there, and I'll point that out to the end there. You can go and check out from my left to my right. You can see Britt from the Freckles and Britt Show Tuesdays over on YouTube and all of the audio catchers. Go over there and check her out or over on Twitter at Tweets by Britt. Harvey McLeod, you can go and check her out on Twitch. That is Harvey McLeod is the extension for Twitch, so go and check her out. She is not over on Twitter, so unfortunately we can't find her there. Seawall, well, you can find a link for my Discord in the description, or I just put it up in the chat not too long ago, so come and join us there. You can come and find myself. I think everybody that's in the group right now is in my personal Discord, too, I believe, so Mm -hmm. come over there and uh, uh, converse with us. And lastly, my most recent guest host over on the Red Net Show, Silentcaster, who's been silent this conversation unfortunately but <laughs> you can find him over on twitch that is at silentcaster or you can find him over on twitter that is uh silentcaster as well you had uh, one last word uh Britt? or were you raising your hand oh no oh, i'm okay. sorry well and I'm 
<laughs> uh, lastly, you can find me in the Discord server that's down below over on Twitter. That is at EdsBlogTwitter with a one in place to the I. And you know my channel because you're here right now. So thank you everybody for coming through and checking us out. Take care and we will see you in a couple weeks for another Ed Talk. The format, well, we'll sit and figure that out as we go. Take care. Have a good night. Night. <laughs>